Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. What could go wrong? Well, I think what can go wrong is that they shouldn't have ever done the movie. Like, they... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hi, everybody. And today we're going to continue the series of best of the years we've been alive, and we're all the way to 2011. Come on, Tom. Let's finish this the way we started. Together. It's a mutation. It's a very groovy mutation. I'm the backup parent, the understudy. I have arrived at the party. And I love my new asshole! I need a horse! We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. Our goal is to create the best army in history. But every army starts with one man. Would you rather get a bullet to the head or five to the chest and bleed to death? Are those my only two options? And also, this is episode 50. 50? 50? We've done 50 main episodes. Do we have to use the word 50, though? Can we not just say 50? We can also say 50. Okay, good. Mm. That's acceptable. Mm. 50 is a lot. Yes, yeah. it is. That's it's a, almost a year. It yeah, is I know. two more, mm-hmm. and it will be. Mm-hmm. That's that's cuckoo. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's it fun. is. I'm oh, cuckoo yeah. for Cocoa Puffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2011 doesn't really just stand out. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent way to say it. Um, it is the most sequeling sequelingest uh, year <laughs> I've ever seen in the top ten of the box office. Oh, in yeah. fact, it's nine movies in the top ten. Let's hear them. Our sequels? Our sequels. Holy shit. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part yep. 2 was number one. Transformers Dark of the Moon. Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1, which is a sequel yep. still. The Hangover Part 2, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Fast Five, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is great, (laughs) Cars 2, and Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, the only one out of the top 10, still isn't really all that original, and it's Thor. Oh, oh yeah. wow. And it was 10th. Interesting. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And then wow. after that, you've got even more like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and which is also good. But Wow. Uh, out of that group, I guess I would want to talk about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol first mm-hmm. off. Yeah. At first, yeah, for sure. Because that is sort of a rebirth of the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, Brad Bird taking, yeah. taking, taking a hold of it. And I think uh, I was a little skeptical at first because- a lot of times when you get a guy like that who's really, I mean, I don't know of really any other examples that I can think of, of a guy who was in animation as long as he was, yeah. that jumped to live action yeah. like that. I mean, we had had, uh, I can't, who did John Carter? Oh, it's uh, Andrew Stanton. It was it Andrew no, Stanton? Yeah. Yeah. We had that uh, later. 
Uh, I think it was the next year, in fact, John Carter came out. Mm. But Brad Bird had been like The Simpsons and Iron Giant. I mean, there's like two decades worth yeah. of animation. And then he goes in this, and, and I was like, okay, well, is it going to be Brad Bird doing Brad Bird things, or is it going to be like Tom Cruise telling Brad Bird what to do? And I think what it came out is Brad Bird really kicked ass on this movie. He bit. really did. You can see that same Incredibles action magic especially in that hallway scene with simon Pegg mm. and the thing that's projecting an image of an empty hall that oh yeah has to be really quiet um and that whole scene is hilarious it's tense it drives the action um and yeah i think he flexed his muscles here and this is before tomorrowland when what and why i had such high hopes for tomorrowland mm -hmm. uh is because this man really seems to get it you need fun mixed in with your action. Yeah, and talk about action, man. I mean, jumping into any live action is difficult from animation, but this is like insane. It's yeah. wall to wall. It keeps it keeps going. Like you have that, you know, I mean, after that whole Russia thing, it's the Burj Khalifa and yeah. the Burj Khalifa thing's got all this like spy intrigue type stuff going on on two levels. Yep. And it's got Tom Cruise having to go like on the outside of the building to go up to the uh, security thing, and then oh no, a fucking sandstorm's coming. Yeah. Darude in the house. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, and you and I saw this together in yeah. IMAX, and there were sections of the film, much like Nolan, that were shot with an IMAX camera, and that mm -hmm. Burj Khalifa stuff is a lot of that, especially yeah. that over the top of it shot where that helicopter or crane whatever the fuck goes over that building and it really sets the stage for the grandeur of this building and the insanity of tom cruise actually going out there to film now he one-ups this later with the airplane yeah. hanging off scene yeah. in rogue nation but um yeah and and the you know i guess a lot of people point to mission impossible 3 as sort of the rebirth of the series because it was definitely way better than two uh but this crushes three out of the ballpark there's a new sort of direction i think these movies are going at this point though like mission impossible 3 was more i don't know it was more standard it was better sure yeah. but it wasn't like oh well there's the beginning of a uh, mission impossible again yeah, it didn't have that wow set piece yeah that, that the last two have had yeah so it's you know yeah it was better but it certainly didn't like i mean it didn't i think it underwhelmed at the box office of course mission impossible 3 came out right at the time all the Tom Cruise on Oprah and the Scientology yep. became a really big deal and all that. So it hurt. That hurt a lot too. But uh, it did. I mean, that movie certainly wasn't going to do it. But this one definitely did. And so much so that they, you know, did Rogue Nation later. But well, this is, this is a series that, which is weird for me to say this. I, I hope they never stop making them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really it's good. It's the kind of thing that can be reinterpreted. And, you know, I think John Woo, notwithstanding, that has been the core principle of this series. Now it's going to be McQuarrie again for six, and he did five, and I think we're in excellent hands there. Mm -hmm. But if they want to come out with seven, and it's the guy who did the Raid movies, yeah. and it's a lot more hand-to-hand -hand stuff, I mean, there's so many different ways this yeah. this framework of a story can fit different genres and director tastes. So, yeah, so far, especially the last two, four and five are magnificent. Uh, another great movie that came out, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which yeah. was another one that sort of... now. The original Planet of the Apes is okay, and like the sequels are notice notably horrible, and then of course the Tim Burton one was horrible. Yes, this comes out, and I was floored yeah. by it. like how in the world was it this good? Yeah, and I'm not even really usually very big James Franco fan, 
which is probably what kept me from seeing it for the longest time until you told me, hey, you need to see this. It's good. Um, what I love about this movie and uh, Dawn and from the previews, uh, what war looks like it's going to be is that they have still yet to give in to that temptation to go back to the original, right? And the first movie shows you there are astronauts on this mission that have left the yeah. planet and you get casual mentions to them in all these movies. But I think after war or maybe two more after that, they're going to come back and we're going to get, you know, a version of that story where now it is a planet of the apes. Um, but man, James Franco's actually really good in this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, considering that he's acting opposite either nothing or Andy Serkis in some kind of mocap suit. Yep. Um, and then uh, who plays? Who's the guy that plays? Oh, it's John Lithgow. Yeah. Plays his dad. Fantastic in this mm -hmm. role. And they really kind of ground this ape's fantasy story in, into real world technology and ideas the way batman begins kind of ground batman because yeah. he's doing alzheimer's research that's supposed to trigger certain things in the brain that will give his father better functions um and you know kind of buy that getting into the apes and you know making them smarter um it's not goofy it's not way out there you know yeah. what i mean if it was i mean if it was only one gripe and this is not a big gripe at all is that the movie has a lot of 12 monkeys to it yeah mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, the virus, no pun intended. right? No pun intended. <laughs> but I remember really feeling that at the end of this, when I first watched it and, you know, you see like the virus spreading yeah. and all that, that, you know, during the credits, I was like, yeah, this is kind of like how 12 monkeys. I mean, even though 12 monkeys wasn't about the rise of monkeys, it was yeah. more uh, about <laughs> if the you've never seen it. It's not how it is. Right, right. Spoiler alert. Monkeys <laughs> do not take control of the earth. <laughs> we need more monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's a small, small gripe. And and uh, and like uh, it's just, yeah, it's just a uniformly good movie. And I never would have thought. When I saw those trailers, I was like, I remember thinking, no. And they had really good marketing campaigns for this, too. Yeah, they did. YouTube videos, they had the one with the with the chimpanzee with a gun or something like that, AK-47. Yeah. And it, and it was just like a, ra it looked like a random viral video, but it was really Fox behind it, you know, uh, doing their marketing for the movie. And uh, it's uh, really just a. Yeah, it's a, it's a master class in effects, too. One of my, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of my favorite movie moments ever is when Caesar first yells no yeah, for the yeah, first yeah. time. Because he's clearly been smarter than every every other ape. He knows sign language. He can do all this communication with James Franco. But when he speaks for the first time, it gave me fucking chills, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how many times now, also, does Andy Serkis have to be awesome in this before they finally say, you know what? Okay, it's not just the mocap. It really isn't because it, you can see mocap in things like I don't know uh, what's the snowy train one with Tom Hanks. Oh, oh Polar, Polar Express! Express. Oh, fucking movie! It looks terrible. <laughs> well, the in snow fact, train well, <laughs> snow it was called Snow Train. <laughs> unstop a snow train <laughs> it goes over 55 miles oh. yeah um yeah the polar express i remember the polar express uh zemeckis was like bragging that you didn't even need the actor anymore you just, yeah you just needed to, all you had to do was like tom hanks could go in and do all the characters if he wanted to yep and in fact i think he did like do a couple he does more. multiple characters in yeah movie, yeah and so it's like you know there was a sort of like a whoa wait a minute here we're getting into an area where actors themselves are just going to lose all their jobs if this is going to be something that people and luckily i guess polar express was creepy to people <laughs> yeah. you know but uh but andy circus uh in every one of these king kong and his golem and all mm -hmm. this he's just 
uh he's just uh amazing in it and uh you know and i don't know how i don't know how you could ever like argue that he needs to get a best actor nomination or have a special category or something but he deserves something for that he does and i think eventually he'll get it even if they have to just create this fictional lifetime achievement award or something he deserves it he's acting his ass off in these movies should there be a separate category do you think but then you just don't have enough nominees yeah it's kind of like you know animated and you know mingling with the best picture and the foreign animated and whatnot it's just not enough to go around there's been a, a movement for a while uh for the academy to recognize stunt work Hmm. they've and for whatever reason the academy has always said no to that even though stunt work is extremely important yeah um uh, and i don't know why they can't just i mean they go they have that special thing for the technical awards and everything why can't they just hand out a couple of other special awards and say you know what andy circus is awesome at being a slow-mo motion cap guy (laughs) that's right well uh uh, one last thing before we get off this movie and i do mean get off mm -hmm. this movie when we were in San Francisco a couple years ago, Chris and I drove out to the Mere Woods National Forest where the Redwoods are that that he supposedly takes um, Caesar to throughout this movie. It's set in San Francisco. The entrance to the park doesn't look anything like it does in that movie. But holy shit, that's still top 10 experience of my life. Absolutely. Seeing those fucking trees that yeah. you just can't fathom until you're right beneath them. Uh, and that may have... Uh, that was right around the time Dawn was about to come out, and mm-hmm. I was tweeting out, I need to speak to Caesar, yeah. which isn't in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's in the trailer, but not the movie, but uh, it may have endeared these movies to me just a hair more. Yeah, that place would be awesome if it wasn't for all the other people. Yeah, there were a lot of people there, <laughs> yeah. but if you just look up, you can't see them. Yeah, exactly. People, man. That's true. They're the worst. That's right. Uh, all right. Name some others. What do you guys think about Moneyball? Oh, Love Moneyball. good, good, good. I think good <laughs> things about it. Go ahead, Chris. Otherwise what? known as Brad Pitt eating. Yeah, Brad Pitt eating. Yeah, that was uh, an alternative title in Australia. Um, No, uh, I've read the book Moneyball, and uh, and and of course that book was more about uh, the sort the statistics involved. That you know was more of a you know Moneyball is more of a dramatization of this. It's kind of like what they did with. uh, They've done this with a couple of books that are don't really have a plot to them. They just make the plot, you know. So. Obviously, Moneyball has a lot of like grossly inaccurate things that didn't happen during yeah. that season. Like Art Howell, who was played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh-huh. again great. Uh, none of that happened. None mm. of that Art Howell stuff happened. And then the book also famously sort of glosses over the fact the the A's that year had Tim Hudson, Barry Zito, yep. and Mark Mulder. Yeah, <laughs> and and so they're so they're getting all these hitters to replace Johnny Damon and Jason Giambi and all that. Uh, but they have these pitchers who are holding other teams to hardly any runs. Uh, so they gloss over all of that. Um, okay. So beyond that, this is a great movie though. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and it's a sort of a smart way of looking at the, the financials of baseball when you don't have enough money to compete with the Yankees and everybody, what are you going to do? You got to find the anomalies in the system that mm. nobody else does. And on this one, it's on base percentage, basically. Yeah. So they're all they're doing is trying to find people who can get on base. And there's a lot of like great, like you know, Chris Pratt in one of his yep. like launch roles and yep. in, in this uh, playing Scott Hatterberg. Um, and he's he's 
outstanding in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt, of course, is great. And just watching him, you know, and his daughter and everything. The interactions with him and his daughter are great mm -hmm. in this. Um, but, yeah, the... The, the story is, it plays like any underdog story, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny that it's about a mid-season streak. I mean, it's yeah, a great streak. pretty much that. But it's still, they lose in the, in the divisional series. Yeah, they still series, lose you know? in the playoffs, um, even though they come off with this 21 win. Yeah. And that, and that scene is great, too, the, the 21st game. Yeah. Which is really their World Series. Oh, it's, where he shows shot, up halfway through. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. driving down the road, and then his daughter's like, you're up 11 to nothing. And he's like, well, I'll never go to the game when we're blah, blah, blah. And then he decides to break his rule and goes and back. And the other team starts scoring. Yeah, yeah. and they get the lead. Get the lead. And uh, and then, yeah, you have the big Scott Hatterberg moment where he hits the home run, yeah, and everybody's yeah. going crazy and everything. Uh, it's, it is a, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Did Jonah Hill get nominated for his performance? He did. So. Um, and yeah, he's ex he's excellent in this. He is he's playing. Uh, his the name of the guy he's playing is not the same as the guy he's based on. Uh, but it's a you know he's like a Harvard egghead type of guy. Yale egghead. Yale mm -hmm. is it Yale? Yeah, it's uh, the same. It's the same Teddy, but he didn't go to. <laughs> he's an one. Ivy League uh, egghead. Um, but uh, he he doesn't he never had a job in baseball before. Mm. But he could see the the sort of the weaknesses in the system and everything. And the best scene in that movie for me is when Billy Bean is finagling those three GMs oh, yeah. to get the trade for the guy that he wants. Yeah. And and like it's a series of just it's it's just him and Jonah Hill in the room and phone calls coming in. And then like in between phone calls, him saying, you know, this is what we're gonna do, blah, blah, blah. And then the like, phone rings and he he gives some bullshit to this GM <laughs> and then he gives some more bullshit to that GM. Finally comes circling around to somehow getting the guy he wants. And with that like silent yeah. arm raise yeah. that Brad Pitt does, yeah. that scene is so good. Uh yeah, again, don't go in there looking for like true fact that was going on. <laughs> But it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't say anything any better than you did. I love it. I watch it uh, as often as I can if I see it on. It's good. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons Jonah Hill's so impressive in it is that he's not manic at all. Mm -hmm. like, no. He's so, usually he's so like over-caffeinated. His characters are, I mean. And then he's just a real dude here. And that scene, especially when uh, Brad Pitt forces him to tell this player he's being cut. Or traded, whichever it is. Oh yeah, heartbreaking. Where he's like, he has, he's he's he even tells him what to say. Don't say too much. Don't tell him you feel bad. Just just say it's business and get out of there. Um. Anyway, I really like this movie. When you yeah. watch his performance, you almost expect him to do those run-ons and riff at the end, mm -hmm. but he stops it. Yeah, and that's really atypical, even from the other series stuff he's done of any Jonah Hill performance. It's really good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, an excellent movie. Um. Talk about the best picture race uh, a little bit. This is the worst best picture race <laughs> yeah. ever. Um, the help was decent. I liked the help. I I mean, I think in another year, there's no way that gets the best picture nomination. This is where that multiple uh, nomination thing, like more than five, yeah. really hurt this. Because stuff like War Horse, which nobody liked, got in there. Extremely loud and incredibly close. Mm. Nobody liked, got in there. The Tree of Life, which is an interesting artistic movie and if you're a big malik person or whatever 
you can get into, but it ain't best picture nominee. It's yeah. not, not really a best picture movie. And then there's stuff in there that I can, I can kind of see like the descendants mm-hmm. yeah. was a really good movie. And, um, and Hugo, the Martin Scorsese yep. attempt at 3d, which was actually really good. Yeah. Um, I, there's a scene in Hugo where I was like, holy shit, if we could get 3d like this all the time, <laughs> this would be, it would be bonkers. But, uh, I mean, really he, he does the wise thing and uses it sparingly yeah. enough that. Well, and it's a, a great movie even without. Yeah, that. absolutely. Creepy, but childlike magic. And it's Asa Butterfield's first appearance, at least on my ra- yeah. radar. Yeah, and I don't know if it's Asa or Aza. We've I've never heard the name pronounced yeah. or whatever. I, my my inclination is Aza, but it's either Aza or Aza. Yeah, it's one of his. You know, that's his like sort of like one of the first times we've seen him. Yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz too. Is, yeah. Um, building on what I'm sure is going to be an amazing career. Yeah. Um, but uh, also we had Midnight in Paris, which mm-hmm. was another sort of Woody Allen comeback. Another. Yeah really fantastic movie and owen wilson i know and he's he's great in this type of role because he, yeah. he doesn't go full woody allen right like you know he, he stops it before he goes into all the mannerisms he's yeah. more like owen wilson in a woody allen comedy which is great and woody thankfully stays out of this he could have played one of the older like artists or something mm-hmm. like that but the cast of characters including hemingway and pablo picasso uh adrian brody is salvador dolly yeah like, yeah uh gertrude stein kathy bates man it's great they come alive and they're just like having a lot of fun Corey stall as ernest hemingway oh that's the best fantastic that's the best he's like he's like let's go get in a fight (laughs) you know the the this that's yeah the movie is magical because it 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 explores that whole idea of oh that era was the best era right and and you know and it's funny owen wilson goes into this you know falling in love with this this woman who likes a different era that she that yeah. she doesn't live in and uh and he's like how can you like that era you know <laughs> this is the best era you know um and it's sort of a it's a it's actually a pretty good examination on his part for, oh yeah to to sort of go on and like look we can't dwell in the past mm-hmm. and uh but it's a magical movie it's yeah, just it it, it's, it's it's something woody allen had not done in a long time we haven't seen this like since stardust memories or something like oh, that. oh yeah this is by far i think his best european tryst mm-hmm. uh, i loved match point but i think this is it captures more of that european style yeah uh, and it's it's great yeah yeah it's pretty magical um and then the one that won best pictures the artist which i when i was hearing about this going through the festival circuit and everything and it's like oh it's a silent movie i was like that sounds like a fucking gimmick yeah yeah and it kind of is but i watched it and i really enjoyed it yeah really enjoyed yeah, this it, it it sort of get it has a really good throwback to the silent era in this even though there's a couple of like cheating like sound moments in there but they're done with a point you yeah know? yeah um but uh i really enjoyed it, it this was, reminded me this whole thing with him winning he won some award best director or best actor yeah he won best actor yeah, uh, yeah. reminded me of the roberto benini year mm-hmm. uh where everybody just sort of fell in love with this you know undiscovered talent from another country that did something unique and charming i saw it once i thought it was really charming uh, but it didn't stick with me very well yeah it's a movie that every time like i'm going through the best picture nominees i have to skip the year 
and I'm like, okay, this, this, this one, this one, this one, this one. And then like 2011, don't remember 2012. And you go through yeah, all that yeah, and, like, yeah. and you go, Oh, oh, it was the artist, right? Yeah. The artist. <laughs> Cause it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it did. But, uh, it's Jean Dujardin. Yeah. Jean Dujardin. Uh, he, man, the reason to like this movie is his facial acting. Yes. And I mean, he's, he's the perfect type of caricature for those silent movies because he can, act anything on his face and and it draws you to the screen mm-hmm. and I, I love that final dance number too oh yeah oh yeah but yeah it was it was very good it was another one of those movies though i just sort of got caught up in the like the momentum of oscar season and it carried it to its win and everything and you know i don't know really out of this group though like which one would beat it because midnight in paris is is great, but it's also I don't know. There's something yeah. about it that's not best picturey about it. I would I think that the Descendants would have made a the Descendants part, was because it's got a movie star. You yeah, know? and let's talk about the Descendants a little bit. Alexander uh, Payne basically can't do any wrong. I love he? this movie yes. so much. Uh, one of the things I like most about his films is that they make you feel lots of human things. Mm-hmm. It's that like a lot of films are kind of one or two note what they're going for, but. Here, there's heartbreak, there's comedy, there's uh, parental discord with the kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you're not familiar, this is not spoiling the movie at all to say that George Clooney's wife is in a coma and not going to come out of it. And they've decided to pull the plug. He hasn't told his daughters yet. Uh, and in the midst of all this, he finds out his wife who's in a coma had been cheating on him. And it's all taking place in Hawaii, so they set off for this other island with his kids in tow uh, to try and find the guy that his wife was cheating with. And and the rest of it from there, uh, I'll let unfold for itself. But I just feel like this is one of Clooney's best performances ever. Definitely. He has to to show us so many different things. And also, this sort of introduced us to Shailene Woodley, who is fantastic in it and did not get nominated yeah another mm-hmm. one of those like unnominated one of those most all-time unnominated yeah, performances yeah. uh because it, it felt like a sure thing and i can't remember all the nominees that year but like i was like yeah you could take out a couple of these mm-hmm. like you know you know some of these people don't yeah just put shaylee woodley in there it's good um but yeah love the descendants and and that boyfriend of hers that comes along on the trip with them oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> might as well be spicoli from yeah. Fast Times. <laughs> yeah i love that guy because he gets punched in the face uh by the grandfather right like the dying mom's dad oh yeah punches him in the so. face uh, and he's like, ow! <laughs> uh, but George Clooney, uh, that scene in the hospital room where he's essentially going off on his, you know, wife who's in a coma. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that scene. It's yep. a powerhouse oh, scene. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, the you are going to be stunned at yeah. what he says in that scene. And I, that's one of those, one of the, like, physically hairs came up on my arms and yep. legs and everything seeing the intensity of Clooney in that scene. Yeah, and fantastic soundtrack. It's all yeah. Hawaiian ukulele-based to sort of not only set the feel, but make sure that even though heavy stuff is happening, you realize it's it's kind of a light movie. Yeah, it, but I think it is Alexander Payne's most emotional movie, though. That's probably right. Yeah. Although yeah. His, all of his movies hover between emotional and hilarious. About yeah. Schmidt has some really good... I mean, mostly the, the emotional stuff happens at the very end of yeah, that yeah. movie. Um, but yeah, the descendants, like all the way through, you kind of sort of feel all that going on the, the family drama that's going on basically like, um, 
because what part of what is this part of this is uh his family owns yeah this uh land that's out there yeah they're the descendants of yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. big uh, culture and he has like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of land yeah yeah and they're about to maybe sell the family's mm. getting together to take a big vote and yeah he has a lot of sway mm. um, yeah anyway lots of great stuff yeah outstanding uh, and i mentioned the help what do we think about the help okay so my wife adores this movie mm-hmm. she will put it on if it's not on if it's on she will watch it mm. And I can't tell you how many times we've had this exact conversation. Mm-hmm. Or I'll walk in the room and say, is this the shit pie scene? <laughs> and oh, she'll God. say, yes. And I'll say, see you later. Yeah. Exactly. Because the first time I saw that scene, I, I really wanted to vomit. It yeah. was, they went a little too far mm-hmm. with the graphicness there. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's a good solid B, B plus. My wife would call it an A plus. If anything, this introduced us to a lot of actors who had been working forever, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that finally got noticed, like Viola Davis, even though she had been nominated for an Oscar, yeah, you know, finally sort of threw her more into the limelight because I don't think very many people saw Doubt, hmm. and uh, and then Octavia Spencer, who had been a character actress for years, years, and finally she gets a nomination. She actually wins the Oscar for this. Yeah. Uh, but um, Emma Stone is almost sort of an afterthought yep. in this movie because she's she's the protagonist of this thing, but you know she's just kind of there to just you know drive the story a yeah. little bit. It's a great cast. I mean, uh, Jessica Chastain's in Jessica it. Jessica Chastain, Dallas Howard, and everybody's really good. It's just it it didn't like hit me in the feels the way it did my wife apparently. Right, but uh, yeah. Anyway, let's go on to the next ones. Well, we briefly mentioned uh, stunt workers, so we should talk about Drive a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, Ryan Gosling um, it plays a stunt driver basically a stunt man in Hollywood and moonlights as a, a driver for criminals um, this is one of my favorite opening scenes yes ever mm-hmm. the the heist we start on the the way he turns on the radio and it seems so inconspicuous and then the way he ends this heist at the stadium, uh, the vibe, the music that tells us a lot about his character. I love it. The rest of the movie doesn't hold up as well for me. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. Um, but the last third of it just kind of goes off in a completely wonky direction for me. Um, but the cast is really good. Carrie Mulligan's in this. She's fantastic. Very yeah. little dialogue. A lot of it's almost a music video of a movie, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Cranston and Albert Brooks are in this. Yeah. And um uh, in the, and I, I mentioned this before, this movie gets super violent. It like does. It gets, I, like, they're, they're, like I said, there's a scene in this, it's the elevator scene, that just, I just, I was stunned at how violent that was. Um, one of those movies that famously had one of those, like, uh, adrenaline-pumping trailers, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you go and watch it, and you're like, <laughs> Man, this is slow, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this takes its time. Not like slow as in, you know, looking at your watch or anything. It's actually very, very interesting. But it spends as much time on the romance aspect as it does the crime aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't the husband, isn't that Oscar Isaac? Oscar Isaac. Yeah. That's what I thought. I rewatched this recently. I remember going, oh, that was Oscar Isaac. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> um, I think even Ron Perlman's in this. Yeah. Somewhere. Ron Perlman's in it. Just a great cast. It's a good crime film. It's not. Uh, it's not four thumbs up for me because I only have two thumbs. Right. <laughs> so it's a thumb and a knuckle. But no, it's nice. it's one of those movies that you definitely need to see. Just know that it's super violent when you go in. Speaking of super violent, I'll throw out another one. The Raid Redemption. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, holy balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Raid movies are fantastic. 
this is the first of the two, right? Yeah. Because the second one is the Barenthal or whatever, the Raid 2. Um, so the Raid is, 2, Cruise Control. Yes. This is the one that often- Yeah, the Raid Redemption is the first one, and okay. the Raid 2 is just the Raid 2. Okay. I think in Hong Kong or wherever, it had a, a subtitle or whatever, no, okay. a secondary title. But this is essentially, if you've seen Dread mm-hmm. with Carl Urban, uh, it's a very similar concept. There are a lot of criminals in a really tall building, and- it's going to come down to one cop, basically. Now, Dread did come out after this. It did, and I'm not. I don't think either movie stole from each other. No, I, no, I, I don't either. I mean, if any, if any movie stole, it would have been Dread. Sure, but it would have been it would have been an interesting thing for them to greenlight a whole Judge Dread movie and say, you know, that movie that we saw. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it just like that one. <laughs> it's know? much more likely in my mind there were two similar ideas being developed around the same time. Yeah, although, and but this is. I mean, they're they're completely it's completely different country. I would like to know the story behind that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be interesting. You know, I mean, they're so similar and they came out so well. And it close also together. could be that the Ray Redemption hit, you know, foreign cinema and didn't make any ripples here until a year or two later. So maybe an American executive saw that movie yeah. and said, "Well, America's never going to see that movie, so yeah. let's do what they're doing with this." Dread. But I love Dread too. I you could pop either one of these movies in right now and I'd enjoy myself. Oh yeah. Uh but yeah, The Raid Redemption um is I was a big surprise. I had seen Now I had seen I think I had seen Dread first. This it came out in the US US in April of 2012. Um but I don't remember when Dread did. I think I, I definitely saw Dread first, though, however it happened. Mm. And then I saw people were talking about the Raid Redemption, and I saw that, and I was like, damn, this is good. <laughs> this is really good. And, like, and Dread was just one of those movies like, am I? how am I enjoying this? Why am I enjoying this? But um, yeah, go on, the Raid Redemption. Oh, I don't need to go on. If uh, You've heard me talk about the Raid and the Raid 2 enough. Uh, if you somehow haven't seen them or have only seen one of them, they're both A-plus films. Uh, relentless action, visceral action. Uh, these movies are R uh, mm-hmm. for a reason, but uh, I get giddy. But it's I not gross. Them. It's not like Kill Bill Volume 1 violence no. that, that's way over the top. It's like, it's visceral, but it's it's fun to watch. It is, but it's it's... One of the reasons I think these movies succeed so well is the choreography and the performance of that choreography make it seem like shit hurts. Oh, yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Like, it's it's not like Tom Cruise in a Mission Impossible movie where, that you know, he's not hurt and can tumble in his car 70 times or what. I mean, this looks like real people getting punched in the yeah. face and cut in the arm. Well, I love that. That's what Jackie Chan used to do, too. When yeah. he was, like, in that famous ladder scene, like, he would, like, pinch his fingers and he'd, like, you know, kind of, like, shake them off mm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that stuff. Well, yeah, no, is, for real. Yeah. I mean, this is you know we're talking about a different country here in the U.S. You can't get away with that. Mm-hmm. You, you got you know if you have Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and whatever, you you got them insured out the ass, yeah. but you don't want to put them in in an, in danger and have to pay that off if they can't see the you know finish the movie because yeah. of it and everything. Um, the I think the reason why these are are so good is just the way they shoot these things, especially in the Raid Redemption where you see low angle shots of their feet their whole bodies like the entire action is taking place in one frame and there's no edits going on that screw everything up you know in 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 the u.s they're basically trying to i think hide the fact that they're using stunt 
performers a lot of the times and they want to make sure that they get the glamour shots mm. going in yep. so it's like a lot of like cut 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 and okay some asses got beat okay but in the raid and the raid two it's like those are the guys yeah they're sitting you can see them and they're like and it's all in one shot most of the time and yeah. if it does cut it's for a reason so Anyway, yeah, those are great. All right, what else? I just did two in a row, so it's one of you guys' turn. What about Marvel's one-two punch? Yeah. Captain America and Thor. Yeah. Skinny Steve Rogers yeah. is creepy and will haunt my dreams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they made him sickly. Yeah. yeah. They like, made him on the bread line and or something. As, as I don't know, as good, quote-unquote, as those special effects are and everything, there's still something quite unreal about it. Yeah. And I can't put my fingers on it. Um, you know, it, it, if I guess if I had never seen Chris Evans before, maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the sort of the element there that I'm missing. But, uh, but yeah, when you see him, you're like, good God, man, what, what is it about <laughs> this? That's just not right. You know, it's not right. Um, Captain America and Thor were both like, okay entries into the Marvel yeah. universe. And, and, and they're just, you know, and they're basically advertisements for the Avengers Mm -hmm. and that's my biggest problem with them. And it's hard to, it's hard to get invested in the individual stories when you know that all this is, is just leading to them being on the same team by the end of it. And while I think Captain America is a little bit, I think it might be better than Thor. Oh yeah. Um, they it's just it's i just like those stories who gives a shit about them well thor's a silly fucking movie yeah i mean kenneth branagh <laughs> this movie <laughs> fooled me into thinking it was good the first time i mm-hmm. watched it because i don't know it certainly wasn't to the level of iron man but there was like enough humor in it enough great actors to where like i said oh that's kind of that's kind of interesting but you watch it again man it's it's bad yeah. it's not good at yeah. all it's such a way natalie portman is just forced into this stupid she's not a damsel in distress but she's just fawning all over she's a fucking astrophysicist yeah and she's reduced to this like oh i love chris hemsworth oh my god yeah yeah and oh man the way it's shot has all of those dutch angles oh, like all the yeah. way through and everything asgard looks awesome but like it's it's just fucking silly yeah and especially after you've watched the Avengers and everything, yeah. you go back and watch this. It's like, wow, what a, what a like, like low point to launch this character from. You know, there wasn't, you know, and and I don't know, maybe there's a lot of people who really love this I, Thor. Yeah, because the actors. I mean, Tom Hiddleston is is definitely oh, the yeah, best part of it. Chris Hemsworth is great. Idris Elba is great. Anthony Hopkins kind of phones in his yeah. performance, but he does have that moment where, like, you know, Chris Hemsworth is like, "Well, I'm king," and he's like, "But you aren't." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Not yet. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny watching Hopkins and his later uh, performances or whatever, even in Westworld and stuff. It's just you know, it's kind of like he's just i don't know what is it about him now but that yeah that one's one of those that's yeah you're almost laughing at him and it's almost like they took the uh the performance from uh what's that movie that he did zemeckis the animation was it was it grendel oh beowulf beowulf, beowulf. yeah yeah, yeah. The Beowulf thing. Yeah. It's basically Beowulf <laughs> yeah. all over again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a yeah, it's such a silly movie. And yeah. Captain America, even though it's a much better movie and everything, it's still like another one of these like long origin stories. And um, I think Hugo Weaving is really good mm-hmm. in it and everything. And the the idea of Hydra is terrifying. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was another movie I kind of left kind of underwhelmed. Kinda, yeah. I was kind of eh, okay. Well, you know, you're just trying to get these guys in the Avengers and everything. Yep. The best Marvel movie that year was X Men First Class. Yeah, yeah. Even though it wasn't a part of the uh, cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought this would be great. No, uh, but it has a lot of people in it I love: Michael F- Fassbender, and James McAvoy, and and Jennifer Lawrence, and all these people are really great in it. And it's just a fun like I would never usually an origin story like this. I'm just gonna be like bored or whatever. But they, they pull this one off really well. Matthew well, Vaughn, yeah, and he captures. I think it's that '60s vibe, right? Mm-hmm. When the movie is taking place, and yes, there's a bit of like. Cuban Missile Crisis stuff that goes on at one point, but I just mean more of the the tone, the vibe, the feel of the '60s. It, whether it's it's camera work or the costumers or what have you, uh, it's probably a combination of all of them. But I was I, when you told me to watch this along with Rise of the Planet of the Apes, that was the one I was most skeptical about mm-hmm. uh, because I guess we would we were coming off X Men Last Stand, and yeah. I didn't have any reason to have hope. But it, it's great. And even all the side characters, the actors whose names I can't remember, um, all the other mutants that are yeah. in and out of the film. But what really makes this film great, I think, is Kevin Bacon. Yeah, he's playing, a great villain. Playing a villain that gets a lot of screen time. There's good motivation there for some of the characters on both sides of that conflict. Um, and I really think that's what sells it in the end. Yeah, Magneto has a great scene uh, when he goes down to, where is it, Brazil? Or where does he go down to? You Somewhere remember? in Central like, South America. Yeah, yeah, something like that, where he's hunting down those Nazi guys and and uh, and like, you know, does all that, like, you know, slinging the metal around, basically. And yeah. I love that. Um, but yeah, just a good movie. And I just, I, like I said, I don't think I expected it. That was one of the main reasons why it, it snuck up on me yeah. so well and really good. Um, what do you guys think of Bridesmaids? I like Bridesmaids a okay. lot. Yeah. And there's, there's almost been a backlash in subsequent years because this was so popular. When I it was came the out. first to backlash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it. I watched it and, uh, and I was I was not impressed, and I like a lot of the people that are in this. Yeah. I love Kristen Wiig, mm. and like, uh, and there were some parts in there that people were just dying over that I just didn't think was funny or witty. Or only when she's calling the 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 flight attendant guy stove instead of Steve. Yeah. That's one of those things that people are like just dying over. <laughs> and uh and I'm like, no, okay, yeah. So they, uh, and calling him stove. Okay. This is kind of <laughs> funny, I guess. Um there are moments in it. I think John Hamm is actually the funniest part of this yes, movie because I, I like say. guys more than girls when it comes to comedy. Uh, <laughs> it's that Ghostbusters thing all over again. Yeah, the exactly. truth comes out. Um, but no, I, John Hamm is such an asshole in this, you yeah. know, that it comes off. He comes off really funny in it. But I do like, I guess, the Kristen Wiig and Rose Byrne, like sort of their like rivalry yeah, that yeah. goes on in it and everything. Melissa McCarthy, obviously, is hilarious well, in it. Yeah, we kind of accept her performance into lore now because a lot of her stuff is based upon this type of performance but uh you know this was really a breath of fresh air and she was really really funny in it yeah it's very over the top it's very outlandish but uh that whole thing when she's on the plane and you know exposing the air marshal who's her husband right real husband um and uh, you're holding right yeah (laughs) and apparently she based her look off of guy fieri oh really (laughs) (laughs) with like the sunglasses on the back of her head yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, um but yeah she got nominated for an oscar for this too oh yeah um but uh 
Yeah, and then there's like uh, uh, there's that scene where they all like uh, have uh, the diarrhea or whatever, yeah, and they're yeah. trying on wedding dresses and everything. And a lot of people, a lot of critics seem to point to that as like, well, you know, showing the girls can get, get down and dirty with the guys. It's like, I don't like that when the guys do no. it either. No. So why yeah. is it funny now no. that girls are doing it? Yeah. Um, so that was what sort of I ran into with Bridesmaids. I know most of you out there like Bridesmaids. I wasn't one, but you loved it. Yeah, man. I think it's probably the Wilson Phillips at the end. Yeah, yeah. The Wilson Phillips at the That's end. That's my jam. Yeah. I don't have an opinion. <laughs> well, mm. you got to have yeah, an opinion. <laughs> Uh, I didn't like it very much, but I didn't hate it. Okay. Let's just leave it there. All, All right. right. All right. J.J. Uh, Abrams came out with Super 8, which is another sort of, uh, I guess this is what he's going to get known for by the time his career is over, is making these retro type of movies or like or, or try to get back to the glory days of a certain uh, genre of film. This is trying to be like Spielberg and everything like yeah. that. Uh, kind of what Stranger Things, is. and in many ways succeeds at that. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I and I enjoyed Super Eight. It's just kind of one of these. It's, I don't know what is it about Super Eight that I'm missing here. I, I think it's when the alien shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where I I start losing it a little bit. And even though the 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 sort of the motivations for the alien being here and everything are actually a, a pretty good surprise by the end of it um something about the when they throw in this special effect alien into this 1970s world it started to wear on me a little bit overall though if you're going to make a retro type of movie this is it's perfect you know it's perfect i think it's solidly entertaining uh child actors are all good and they have to be for a movie like this to work um but you know it's not it's not everything it set out to do, but another another hallmark of J.J. Abrams is the the marketing department on this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which built all this great buzz. I was covering video for Real SEO at this point, and somebody put in a video game, some major release of a video game, put the train car from Super 8. Super 8 wasn't even out yet. And, like, you could go in and explore and look around this crashed train car where, like, an uh-huh. alien makes this noise or what. It was all basically just a teaser in this game for huh. this movie. Uh, I think that guy's brilliant. I don't mm. know that all his movies hit it out of the park for me, but there's something about the way that guy's brain works that I think is on an upper echelon there. I'll tell you what's nice is the score in that movie. Yeah. That's Michael Giacchino. Yeah. yeah. And that score, that last scene, is gorgeous. It's mm. one of my favorite ones that he's done. And even though the scene is pure cheese, he's like holding on to the locket and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, in fact, that's what it's called. It's called Letting Go oh, is, is the name of the, t- the title of the score. But man, it's great. I mean, it's as good. It it very much sounds like, which is funny that J.J. Abrams is trying to do a Spielberg. It very much sounds like a John Williams type of score. Mm-hmm. But with his kind of twist on it, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're talking about child actors. Elle Fanning is another mm-hmm. one that we're going to see is going to, I mean, the amount of work that she did all before the age of 18 is yeah. unbelievable. And just imagine what she's going to be like when she's in her she 20s. Put, she puts Dakota to shame, you know? <laughs> totally. Because we have, when's the last time we cared about Dakota fanning? Never. <laughs> Them fanning girls. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, but, but she's, Elle Fanning's probably got like 50, 60 credits already. And yeah. she's, you know, she's barely even 18 or 19 now um so yeah amazing type of work there um speaking of famous siblings elizabeth olsen did martha Mar- marcy may marlene <laughs> yes yes nailed it 
That is a crazy movie. Yeah, man, that's a trip. Yeah. Do you like it? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do. It's it's very creepy. I mean, there's there's a lot of weird things. And mm-hmm. she turns in a great performance, but like the whole subtext of it's not a subtext. It's a part of the the movie of her being in this awful cult. And the things that she has to do and be involved with and everything is, and then her life after that is just, it's like the dramatic version of the unstoppable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, yeah. It's nothing like Bad Santa, by the right. way. Right. It's nothing like Bad Santa. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of shows that even when you uh, are able to escape a cult, you're still sort of in that cult. Yeah. Like, and that's what the, the movie is kind of like you know that's where it gets into the weirdness is like she's free but then there's like scenes where she's not yeah you know because she's dreaming it or whatever yeah. and it's like uh it's and it's because of the sort of the mind control that's going on in there and it's a frightening movie anytime you see something with you know those type of cults in it where these people are drawn to it for whatever reason they're drawn to it and then you know it's just a guy who basically wants to get laid by yeah. hundreds of women isn't it always it always is. Yeah. yeah. It always is. And but there's always some sort of like uh weird philosophy double speak type of thing going on that sort of attracts these people to think that it's actually a religious experience and it's mostly like drugs and mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that and and then it's you know it's like well you know uh, come to the come to the the room later oh we we, we will go to the country and we will, <laughs> well, we we will make alive. <laughs> we are both alive <laughs> um but uh yeah it's uh i think this was the the movie i mean this was elizabeth olsen's big breakout role and and i've really liked her since Mm -hmm. uh and everything that she's in really even though i mean i I wish she wasn't in this avengers show (laughs) but like uh but like almost everything she's been in she's she's got really expressive face and even the movie um what is that silent house that she came out with? Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people didn't like that, but I I thought she was so incredible in it that I really enjoyed that movie. I just remember being blown away that there was an, a sister to the Olsen twins that looked very much like them, and I had never heard of her ever. Right, yeah. <laughs> that blew my mind. Uh, silent house, by the way, did come out in 2011. Oh really? Yeah, uh, and I, we don't need to talk much about it, but it's uh, one of those movies got sort of a mind mind fuck. Yeah, it's got of, a good twist in it. Yeah, it's got a good twist to it, but uh, it's this uh, this woman who uh, is you know in this house by herself, and she keeps seeing these she keeps seeing these like you know footsteps and all this other type of stuff, and she's trying to hide from the the killers. Uh, and yeah, it's got some some good whammy stuff mm-hmm. to it. Anyway, um, what else, guys? Uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the movie where I realized I may not love all of Fincher's movies, but I will enjoy watching them mm-hmm. because this movie is gorgeous. Yeah. Like, despite all the seedy shit that's going on from beginning to end in this movie, this movie will make you feel dirty. Uh, but it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and this was Rooney Mara's big breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's great in this. I've seen both the original Swedish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seen the original and this one. Um, this is one of the biggest gut punches I've ever had in a movie at the end when she's been working on this jacket and appears to have made it by hand over many, many weeks. And she goes to deliver it and sees him with his old girlfriend walking down the street. 
Mm-hmm. You motherfucker! Yeah. You did it with her. She was going to give you a gift, and now you're just back to your old ways. Come on. Yeah, but she's famously like put standoffish in the entire movie, and even during the sex scene, it's just like, all right, let's do this. And yeah, then, and then like gets him, gets off, and like walks but even away. Though she's standoffish and weird. She still has a heart. She still likes this guy. She made this gesture of making this jacket and it's all for naught god the end of that movie killed me yeah i think i had i had watched the entire trilogy before this movie Mm -hmm. came out and so it felt hollow to me me too um when i watched it and and yes gorgeous is right it's it's a beautifully shot in fact it's got a great trailer too with um karen o doing immigrants that's right yeah yeah. and nice uh, good knowledge out the ass yeah (laughs) um and it's uh and so when i watched it i was like yeah okay that was that was the girl with the dragon tattoo right there (laughs) you know that was exactly that's exactly that's exactly what i saw the first time it really is i mean it's not a shot for shot remake and it's got great actors and great performances great score i think Trenton Reznor did the score for yeah this. Mm-hmm. um and it's fincher doing fincher stuff but mm-hmm. it's totally unnecessary yeah yeah it's a, i'm the same about this i mean i guess if i had never seen the other one i would look at this a different way but but yeah what a good mystery this is and oh, the yeah. whole trilogy is kind of you know got that you know it's it's fun i love I love movies that go back to the mystery. Yeah, yeah. Like there there's so few of those like actual detective work type of things going on and uh you know real mysteries anymore and I've all I don't, it's a genre that's just lost favor in Hollywood for some reason even though it's always fantastic when you can put you know if you get a real complex mystery with some nice little details that you didn't notice the first time and all that, I like to eat that shit up, man. Yeah, and this is a slow-burning mystery. I mean, yeah. he's got to, like, pour over photographs mm-hmm. in the middle of, like, the Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, you know, what you would traditionally think of as, like, a really engaging mystery, but it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, what else? Well, can we go back to Fassbender? Yeah. Did we ever get away from him? Well, yeah, because we were talking about X-Men First Class. Oh, let's go Um, back to Fassbender. Yeah, what'd you guys think about Shame? Uh, Haven't seen it. I didn't like this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not an easy movie to love. No. (laughs) Is this the dick movie? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't he in a movie where he has a big dick? Yes, it is, because there's a scene in which Michael Fassbender is walking around in the bathroom and you can see it from behind. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's how big it uh, is. I knew we made a joke in a recent Sins video about the movie Shame and his dick yeah, somehow. Yeah, and unless he's like wearing a prosthetic so that it would specifically show up from behind, that is, uh, yeah, So, so the movie's not about that. Bravo. No. Well, the movie's about his dick, but not the way he uses his dick, because he's, he's a sex-obsessed executive or yeah. something like that. And it it makes which should be salacious, but it's it punches you in the face repeatedly about how awful this guy's addiction is mm-hmm. to sex. Yeah, and uh, I mean, too much so that it, it it essentially ruins his whole life. He's got this weird Carrie Mulligan is in yeah. it. He's got this weird relationship. Both with his of sister. them have horrible, uh, horrible like sexual relationships and addictions and yeah. stuff like that. Um, uh, the and fi- and Fassbender, his character, he's always getting laid, like yeah. always. But also his his work computer has all this porn on it oh. and stuff like that. Like there's a big investigation the company conducts with computers. Yeah, yeah. And then one guy's like, "Man, we studied your computer." And that was some filthy stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about. And he went through all the different things that are, you know, the dirty porn. And uh, and like, 
but yeah, um, you, the more and more you realize, yeah, this is, uh, this isn't titillation that we're looking for here. This is more about this guy's psyche and he yeah. is messed up. Of course, they give you an explanation by the end of it. Why that's why that's going on and everything. But yeah, a really tough movie to get into. I'd say if you, you know, if you, if, if you want to sort of explore that, uh, sexual addiction, and yeah, you're yeah. interested in it and everything. I think it's very well done that mm-hmm. way, but man, is that, it's not a movie you want to go comfortable to watch. No. <laughs> and speaking of fast men are getting laid, he's also in a dangerous method. Oh yeah. Uh, did you guys ever see this yeah, one? I did. This is about, uh, the relationship between Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It, and they're linked by a patient, mm-hmm. uh, who in turn becomes an analyst herself. Yeah. Kara Knightley's yeah, character. Yeah, Kara Knightley. And Fassbender and then uh, Viggo Mortensen plays mm-hmm. Freud, and this is David Cronenberg. Uh, yeah. And it's really good. Uh, don't ask me to substantiate the facts, because I don't know really what the, the relationship was. I think this was based on a nonfiction book that then became a play mm-hmm. that then became this. Yeah. But it's really good and probably underseen. I didn't see it until a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, Keira Knightley may have won a, I mean, not one, but got nominated for an Oscar. Or, or oh, that. she should. She's amazing. Um, the way that she portrays this, we were talking about mental health in movies, uh, about a month ago or so. She's diagnosed with this hysteria as many women in those times were, but she's got this crazy method of like sticking out her jaw while she's rocking back and forth yeah. and all that stuff. That's very uncomfortable to watch, but it's really good. She did not get nominated for this. Uh, she's only been nominated twice, once for Pride and Prejudice and the other for The Imitation Game. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I remember her getting at least some consideration for it and everything because, yeah, she's good in it. And, um, but uh, I don't remember too much about this movie, to be honest. I don't remember whether I liked it or not. I, I think I would think I was left a little cold by it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I, I liked it a lot. It, it definitely went kind of by the wayside. I, you don't see a lot written about it. Um, and I guess it's a well-known story. I didn't know it. Yeah, I didn't uh, until until I saw it. But uh, just the it, it's kind of interesting to explore the relationship between these huge names in psychology uh who were kind of linked in between uh with this with this case yeah yeah um that's the uh, last fastbender getting laid yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues 
for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, also coming out was Rango. Um, Johnny Depp as a lizard. From the director of the Pirates. Yeah, Gore Verminsky. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed this. Did you? Yeah. That was all right. What did you think? You don't like it? (laughs) I thought it was just kind of silly. Yeah, it is kind of silly. It's definitely silly. I mean, he's, he's essentially reprising his, uh, Hunter Hunter S. Thompson Thompson look (laughs) as a lizard. Yeah. Yeah, I Uh, never saw it. Yeah. For all those reasons. Yeah. And animation <laughs> was kind of weird this year. You had Cars 2 was the number one animated movie, and that was a terror. That was terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was that was pretty just, shitty. Oh, that was just so bad. There's something uh, else I just saw on my list. Rio came out, and then they had like the Smurfs uh, and Hop. Um, Kung Fu Panda 2. Oh, yeah. Kung Fu Panda 2 was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, animation didn't really hit it out of the park this year. Kung Fu Panda 2, 165 million, but. I think the first one had made like 200 or something and it was like everybody loved that first one yeah so it was weird that the second one which only came out a couple years later didn't follow up yeah. you know so whatever you we have- also had the adventures of tintin oh yeah 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 the mm-hmm. uh much hyped spielberg uh peter jackson collaboration that didn't get great reviews didn't make a ton of money and by the time i saw it i was like i think i like that more than most people did hmm I I didn't like this. I like the I, there's the one scene where it's all one shot basically yeah. that's yeah. really cool. Um, but yeah, overall I don't remember anything about this movie except that maybe that one why scene. it didn't do very well. Maybe it just didn't stick very hard. Yeah, in people's brains. It's yeah. one of the many years that Spielberg came out with two movies. It was this and War Horse. <laughs> that's rough. I mean, he basically just went to both extremes there. Didn't yeah, he? <laughs> man. War Horse is such a bad movie. I remember asking. I think it was you. Is this movie what I think it is? A, a, a horse that is involved in multiple wars. Yeah. And you said yes. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to know. I'm never going to watch this fucking movie. I don't care if it's Spielberg. Have you ever seen the Red Violin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's the very Red much Violin like that. for With horses. Horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, except the Red Violin is a way, way more entertaining Didn't movie. Can you tell me there's even a scene where opposing so- soldiers this work together to the dig the horse out? the dumbest fucking thing. <laughs> the horse wanders in between their, like, like neutral zone. They, they got a ceasefire. And the horse gets caught in some, like, fucking, like, barbed wire or something like that. <laughs> So like the Ameri- one of the Americans and like one of the German guys are like waving the white flag and they're walk they both walk to the horse and they both like sort of like try to communicate to each other how do we get this fucking horse out of the mud <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they do and that's what that's the thing god oh damn it. my god oh, yeah. I will not watch it now yeah ever yeah. now I mean some of you out there are probably like I gotta see that scene now <laughs> yeah. um, or hey I like War Horse yeah yeah exactly. Uh, it got nominated for Best Picture. It must have been okay. Um, Puss in Boots came out. Now, I kind of like Puss in Boots. Mm. That the was a Shrek, the Shrek spinoff. Um, Antonio Banderas yeah. and everything. I, I kind of like this when I watched it. I don't remember much about it, but I just remember it being pretty funny. I missed it because I was kind of done with the Shrek stuff at that point. But uh, Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, his character, I don't know, for whatever reason, was always endearing to me. The, you know, the... You know, especially doing the little cat eyes yeah. and, and, you know, you know, 
all that type of stuff but yeah and this, this that remember that movie being pretty funny anyway animation was kind of eh. um <laughs> also coming out the green lantern came out Ooh. oh goodness gracious that's all we need to say about that yeah and uh this is a bad year can i do one more here steven soderbergh gwyneth paltrow matt damon lawrence fishburne jude law um and a host of other people in international cast in Contagion. Yeah. What'd you guys think of Contagion? Saw it once, freaked me out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit. I'd, like, I'd rather watch Outbreak where I know I'm watching a cartoon of a movie than watch something that actually feels possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does and feel possible. Pandemics scare the shit out of me. So yeah. I probably won't ever watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you have Soderbergh going through this type of territory and everything, it's, yeah, it's somewhat elevated yeah. to your, you know, to more than just an Outbreak movie. And uh, yeah, this is this is actually very good, very solid yeah. movie. I I loved it. I I loved this type of stuff, like you know, disease and epidemic stuff. And <laughs> I pestilence. love disease. <laughs> I love epidemics. That's <laughs> so rad. And I mean, Soderbergh is great. He's you've seen him with huge casts before, being able to wrangle all these super famous, super talented people and get their best out of them. And it, it's it's really good. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow alone in the first five to ten minutes or so is very riveting uh, and then she is no more that's yeah. not a spoiler yeah there are a handful of other good ones i want to mention on my list okay and i don't think any of them need to be talked about at length but um warrior yeah with tom hardy and oh yeah great movie dude whose name i forget who's um the, yeah he's got Gatsby one of those movie. he's got one of those like tom joel edgerson yeah joel oh, yeah, edgerson. Yeah, yeah yeah um and uh, I think Nick Nolte is playing their dad, mm-hmm. and they're basically long lost brothers. One is a war hero who doesn't want to be, and one is a you know a fighting champ. They basically end up in this tournament, and then facing each other in the final match. It's one of those cheesy ass looking movies from the trailer. I watched it one night on Netflix. I was like, that was fucking good. Yeah, like, yeah. It was where it was where I first kind of discovered Tom Hardy's got more going on than I thought he did. Yeah, like, there's this is not just a muscle bound dude with a charming face. Like he can act. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked that one. Uh, I'm showing that The Gray came out this year. Okay. Um, Liam Neeson did really not, enjoyed The Gray. Did it not come out this year? I think it did. Oh, the way you said okay, kind of was like I will grant you that, Jeremy. <laughs> um, even I have though no you idea. are incorrect, I have no idea. I think it did, but yeah. uh, I thought this was really solid adventure. Uh, plane crashes in the tundra, and you try to survive the killer wolf attacks that keep happening. Well, of course, as soon as I say that, I look up the gray, and I found out it came out in January of 2012. But that probably means it had a good long life in 2011 and finally came here. Motherfucker. By the way, this is as good as any to time as any to explain why we didn't get the Hurt Locker in. Oh, yeah. Back in the 2008 discussion, Jeremy brings this up. And I'm like, nah, nah, it won Best Picture in 2009. So we'll, we'll wait for 2009 to bring that up. <laughs> and then 2009 comes along and we totally missed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the explanation. That's right. <laughs> we just forgot. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean... It wasn't going to win that year, but it was a, it was an interesting type of movie to uh, to talk about because first off, Jeremy Renner's great in it, mm-hmm. and uh, it won Catherine Bigelow the best director, which was the first time a woman had ever won a best director Oscar. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a solid film too. I really yeah, liked it. extremely good. Not the kind that we usually skip or miss. Yeah, yeah. and and we would have we would have. I mean, we were about to talk about it, and then. And then that fucker Aaron Dicer shows up Mother for the fucker. 2009 discussion. <laughs> Throws us all he off He fucks us up, man. He fucks us up. Anyway, 
anyway, uh, well, let's talk about the great anyway, because even though it's 2012, it obviously had a life in 2000. I don't, I don't have much more to say than I did. Uh, I just think it's solid fun, uh, you know, outdoor thriller. Uh, yeah. And Liam Neeson, this is one of the first times outside of the first Taken movie that I bought most of his badassery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and it really works. And he's got a tragic kind of story yeah. wearing his character. Um, yeah, he's got a little sadness behind those eyes. He does. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Kunu. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is Joe Carnahan, who had made a movie called Narc that I really enjoyed. That movie's awesome. We didn't talk about Narc in its year, but... Uh, it's really good, but ever since then, Carnahan did stuff like The A-Team, and yeah. he did a lot of like really bad movies. Then he kind of gets back with the gray here. It's just a really thrilling adventure, action-adventure type movie. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't expecting that, even though, you know, Taken and all that had brought Liam Neeson back to the fold and everything. Um, but, but it's just, I don't know, something... Even though it's a wintry movie, there's something cozy and warm about how good it is yeah. as far as it's uh, just an old-fashioned adventure tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, what else is on your list? Oh, I just wanted to mention Hannah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I love Hannah. Get another chance to say she's She's basically a young, trained assassin by her dad. Uh, they've been living in the wild, basically, mm. and he's taught her to be like him mm -hmm. basically jason Bourne, and she, only she's like 11 yeah <laughs> and um then she ends up on her own and so it's basically a 12 year old girl jason Bourne, who she meets up with this family that's traveling and goes quite a ways with them and just kind of acting like she's lost her family or whatever uh but i really like this this movie is one of those movies that i had to like tell people come on go see this this yeah. is really good and a lot of people were just turned i don't know they just didn't want to see a little girl kicking ass or something i don't know what it was but um or it, it just you know didn't have mass appeal but man everybody i got to watch this movie said man that was really good yeah it's really good yeah so um, excellent so yeah i just wanted to mention that and that's all the ones on my good list that uh, i can sleep tonight with okay with those well being the the um repopularization of the muppets yeah yeah that came out jason siegel amy adams um and it took them all of a year to undo all that goodwill but with yeah, that terrible sequel right <laughs> but uh and this is so well done because it's got the flight of concords guy doing yep. uh doing the music yeah, and the yeah. music is great the music is as good as any muppet music has ever been um and i think uh it's jason siegel's involvement that really wins this because he's He's a great anchor for us, but he clearly fell in love with the Muppets, uh, both as a kid and when he was working with Henson mm -hmm. Studios. Uh, and he rewrote this film. He stars in it. The second one doesn't have any Jason Siegel. I'll let you guess why. Maybe it's not terrible <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's not good. Uh, I love everything about this. This really did refresh the Muppets for me. And I have been a Muppets fan my whole life, but I love the 80s robot. I love Chris Cooper and the maniacal laugh. Yes. What I love about that maniacal laugh scene, Chris Cooper really really gets into it yeah 
like he's like maniacal laugh <laughs> maniacal laugh maniacal laugh you know <laughs> and, and it's and and perfect like not unawareness of like he's doing something funny he's doing something sinister you know but it's just the way he does it the delivery is beautiful in it yeah yeah i love i love this movie as much as i mean it's right up in the top three or four muppet movies of all time for yeah, me yeah, i think yeah. it got the magic right yeah absolutely um let me go through some of this top hundred here that's just shitty uh bad teacher not a good movie made a hundred million dollars though yeah. oh jesus uh john favreau made cowboys and aliens and that's <laughs> one of the most should have been betterness movies that ever got made yeah yeah it has a great cast in it great concept yeah aliens attack the old west and it's got spielberg behind it and like it, it just felt like something that this should be something that'll be fun and entertaining yeah. no it's not very good at all yeah uh the green hornet we mentioned briefly mentioned yeah, because yeah. of Christoph Waltz uh, uh a couple episodes ago um but uh that movie is that's a that's a weird conglomeration of you got michelle gondry doing the doing the direction but you have seth rogan and evan goldberg writing the script so it feels like it should be something that's inventive yeah, and, yeah. and fun mm -hmm. and yeah it's all over the place yeah it's all over the place um uh real steel yeah. uh was was a fun movie that's yeah, solid solid yeah. family you know dad son sports mm -hmm. drama um i really like crazy stupid love oh yeah i did really too. enjoy that movie yeah um I, w I don't like romantic comedies at all but something about this with steve carell getting divorced or well having a breakup with his wife and like then getting ryan gosling to school him on how to pick up chicks and then finding out that he is dating his daughter who's emma stone mm -hmm uh there's just something about it. it's magical yeah it is it's, and and, and uh I, every time it like when it was first coming on hbo I, it was one of those it was like my martian for you yeah. it was like <laughs> i would like always pick it up wherever it was going and just sit there and watch it and everything it really got the heart of this whole thing because you know it, it's all messy because he's out there he's trying to keep his connection with his kids and everything uh, but like he'll break into his yard and like aerate the lawn, you yeah, know, when yeah. he's kicked out, <laughs> and you know, like all this sneaky stuff. And Kevin Bacon plays the yeah. the other guy, right? Yeah. And uh, I I think everybody's performance is great. Um, Emma Stone when she finally gets together with Ryan Gosling, at oh the end yeah, is, is hilarious. It's hilarious because he takes this Lothario. And then they basically end up like talking and hanging out yeah. all night and all that stuff, which is something that, you know, happens in real he, life. He tries to hit on her several times. And then like, uh, finally she gets drunk yeah. and goes over to his place and is like, you know, like throwing him, throwing herself at him and he won't take the bait, yeah, yeah. which is an interesting sort of take. He's been trying to nail her this whole time, but yeah, it's a real sweet type of movie mm -hmm. and everything. And I, 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 don't say that about romantic comedies very often. Way better than Crazy Beautiful. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. Um, we briefly mentioned Battle Los Angeles. That's a terrible movie. Poop on it. Um, <laughs> Immortals, which I believe was a yet another 300 clone that came out. Wasn't that Tarzan Singh? Oh, Jesus. I think it might be, actually. That's amazing you would know that well i like tarzan singh a lot because he did the cell the cell and he did the fall <clears throat> and then he did this immortals thing which kind of has that aesthetic but more like zack snydery than 
you know, what really he should be doing because his visuals are really, really cool. I think his story, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So every time I see one of these freaking movies now, like the, the trailer, they always try to capture that weird, like look of 300 yep. and the, you know, the, the swords and sandals and the, mm-hmm. you know, the yellow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that. Um, yeah, not good movie. Um, Tower Heist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about this movie. This is actually a decent movie. I De- never saw it's it. It's a decent comedy. I mean, it's not great in any stretch. I mean, it was Eddie Murphy and Brett Ratner, right? Yeah, Ben Stiller. Yeah, and, but, but uh, I mean, it was Eddie Murphy and Brett Ratner that kept me away from this. Like, yeah, I was never going to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eddie Murphy, this should be like a comeback for him, but it's really not. Um He's not, I mean, he's not really given much to do. It's one of those things like you look at 80s Eddie Murphy, you can tell that he's like just loose and, mm-hmm. and they're letting him do whatever he wants to. And like maybe by this point, he just doesn't have that in him anymore. But, uh, but you have Ben Stiller, Matthew Broderick, Alan Alda, mm-hmm. a lot of great things. And it's Gabriel one of, Sidibe is in it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's basically, uh, you know, their boss, Alan Alda, is, uh, is getting uh, investigated by the FBI and, and everything, and they're defending him. They're like, you know, like, you know, there's no way that he would be able to do this type of stuff. Of course, they find out midway through he actually did do this thing. Mm-hmm. So that is where the tower heist comes in. And it's, uh, you know, it's a good throwaway movie. <laughs> um. We bought a zoo. We bought a zoo. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Crowe, Matt Damon, Scarlett Johansson. What could go wrong? Everything. Everything. <laughs> this is one of the least charming and romantic movies Cameron Crowe has made. Um, and I love everybody involved. I mm-hmm. love the idea. I know it's loosely based on a true story. Um, I just it, the, it falls apart for Got me. Got a very Field of Dreams type of structure to it um where you know somebody decides they're going to do something insane yeah and somehow people will come by the end of it you know um and and like of course like i don't think there was any like real romance in the real story or probably not and definitely not a scarlett johansson type anyway (laughs) um but yeah i i kind of wonder what happened to cameron crowe because the guy was as can't miss as it gets yeah all the way through, I would say Vanilla Sky. Some people might say Almost Famous is where it ended, but um, but then after that, everything he's come out with. He had been... that show six months ago, Roadies, that mm-hmm. I never got around to watching that got canceled. Mm-hmm. But I always seemed right up his alley with the Almost Famous, like a show about Roadies on a rock tour that should, but apparently it wasn't watched or wasn't very good. Yeah. There were two. Uh, there were two Friends with Benefits movies. Oh my god, out. this blows my mind. No <laughs> strings attached. And friends with benefits. <laughs> yeah. And they both have similar actors. in. Well, them. and one of them is now married to the other movie's right, star. Right, right. <laughs> because it's it's uh, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. And then it's Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. You're right. And, um, yeah, neither of minor movie. I've seen them both, believe it or not. Yeah, uh, I have too. Neither one really works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Adjustment Bureau, another, like, matt damon movie that just didn't i like this movie oh, so no. much and we got into an email thread at like 11 o'clock one night where i was like hey man this is awesome the adjustment bureau's on and i was shocked to learn that both of you hate this movie yeah uh, it's not good man i, I mean like you can like it 
I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> You're maybe allowed it, to like it. Maybe it's good. <laughs> Jeremy didn't like it. It seemed to be trying a little too hard for me. I thought it was cool. John Slattery and Matt Damon. And who's the girl? It's uh, Blunt. Yeah, Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. Yeah, I thought it was, I, I don't know. I, it was. It worked for me. Yeah, um, I, I really wanted to like it because when the trailers came out, it looked like some very intriguing type of movie, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just didn't. Very similar to, um, I had the same kind of experience you did, but with the movie In Time with Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah. Got bad reviews. Yeah, and yeah. Not, not a lot of people like it, but I dug it. And I think it was just that concept that pulled me, dragged me through the entire movie. Yeah, I, I actually kind of dug In Time as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not a great movie, but it's definitely has like you said the concept a lot of times is all like like half the battle sometimes you know and uh, i love that little scene that he has with uh a guy from Mad Men. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Vincent Carthage. Vin- yeah, Vincent Carthage, where they're just like they're gambling their life points, yeah. basically. And I'm sitting there like, what if he loses all of his life? Does he just die <laughs> right then and there? Like, oh my god. Um, source code came out in Good 2011. Movie. Yeah, um, we were uh, shitting on Duncan Jones for his Warcraft movie this year, <laughs> but he came out with Moon, which was great, and this one, which has got a night another great concept. Yeah, good time travel. Sort of, sort of a Groundhog Day yep. type of thing. Um, Edge of Tomorrow ish. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, and uh, Michelle Monaghan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I really enjoy these type of movies where they're like try they they keep waking up and everything but he has to keep on trying to find ways to to put a detail in there that you know uh but i really enjoyed that um <laughs> new year's eve <laughs> um uh i brought up i think i brought up insidious last year so i guess that was another another movie that came out had had the it came out the previous year or whatever and it had it seems like that happens a lot it's before. major release yeah. uh, in this year but we talked enough about that we talked. You mentioned it briefly, but we didn't really talk about the Deathly Hallows Part Two. No, we didn't. Uh, which is obviously the best Deathly Hallows movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly the best Deathly Hallows movie. Did you guys? I, I I thought it was a great. I thought it was a really good. No, ending. it's great because it, you know, I mean, it's not Part One. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, Part One did all the setup for mm-hmm. it, and, and Part Two knocked them down. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. Um. I was ultimately a little, again, never read the books, but liked all the movies. I was a little disappointed in the whole, he's going to win by dying thing. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. not only has Neo done that, but 12 or 13 other movie characters, and then ba- way back in the day, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just not, it's just not new anymore, right? Jesus yeah, origins. Exactly. <laughs> I want to see Zack Snyder do. <laughs> There's some movie on cable right now i keep passing it but it's about a seven-year-old jesus walking uh-huh. around the world and experiencing life and i'm just like what you, what you, what is that about yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm not tempted enough to stop but <clears throat> um yeah i mean i keep running past a lot of these really nobody asked for them sequels um spy kids all the time in the world yeah. big mamas like father like son oh my god and then a sequel, I guess people did ask for, but ah, man, it had been too long. Scream Four came out in 2011 mm-hmm. with a brand new hot cast, yep, and uh, Kevin Williamson back and Wes Craven's back and all that. What could go wrong? Well, I think what can go wrong is that they shouldn't have ever done the movie. Like they, <laughs> <laughs> it's very succinct. 
Uh, I think what can go wrong is I think when a when a movie is you know is clever, a scream comes out, and then you come out with two other sequels that have already mined this uh, territory as long as it did and everything. You, you're trying to recapture something mm-hmm. instead of just invent something. Yeah. And that's what keeps happening with Scream 4 is that it's just it's the same shit. It's the we're trying to recapture the magic instead of just like let's make something new out of this. And I'm sure I'm I think I read a whole bunch of stuff about this script being uh you know the first one that Kevin Williamson wrote got changed and then he got kicked off the set and all that. One mm. of one of those type of stories uh came out of this mm. cuz he wrote it one way and then they did another thing. Um, we should probably mention Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, that's, he was nominated. Uh, Gary too. Gary Oldman's mm-hmm. only nomination ever. That's criminal. Insane. Yeah, criminal is for this movie, but uh, but fantastic movie in a in a another like really satisfying spy movie with mm-hmm. the you know the sort of the work in the details and everything, and we've got a great cast in this too. Mm-hmm. So many people. Tom Hardy's in this. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, who else? We got a bunch of people. It's not an actiony spy movie. No, I think no, that's no. why it suffered a bit at the box office. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not night and day. No, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's not there. night and day. Um, there's Mark Strong, Colin Firth, John Hurt. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. I know Tom Hardy somewhere in this because he has one like really small. Yeah, Tom Hardy's in this. Yeah, like just you know, it's just one of those. I love this. This yeah, is yeah. this is intriguing. Um. Jay Edgar, really underwhelming mm-hmm. DiCaprio uh, biopic yep. with uh, Eastwood directing. And he is going for the Oscar unlike he has ever <laughs> gone for it. And he doesn't get it. And it's just, yeah, it's not good enough. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio kneels in judgment before me. Not good enough. Yes. What is your favorite color? Speaking of bad Zack Snyder movie, Sucker Punch came out in 2011. Oh. Um, 50 50. 50 oh, yeah, 50 yeah. is a good movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seth Rogen and Cancer uh, Boy. And, uh, and Joseph Gordon Levitt. Mm-hmm. His name's not Cancer Boy. Cancer Boy. Cancer Boy is actually a character from the kids in the hall brain candy movie. yeah my skin was i was born with my organs on the outside of my body <laughs> <laughs> um young adult we mentioned that mm-hmm. briefly um jason reitman his last like somewhat known movie and then mm-hmm. after that it's weird he's had such a he had started off like amazing mm. Up in the air and all that, and then and then young adult, which nobody saw, but Charlie's Theron is amazing. Yes, she, yes, she's great, in and that. Patton Oswalt too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a really good movie, and I would all, I would almost recommend that movie. Mm-hmm. Ready yeah. to vote? I'm ready to vote. This is going to go a few rounds, I think. By all the right. way, I do want to mention this. I don't think any of us have watched this movie. I do want to bring it up though. The Intouchables came. Out. I have oh, not seen no, it. Yeah, and I uh, I am sorry to say that I have not seen this. I know it's good. Yeah, I know it is because it comes up a lot. Um, and it's in French. Yeah, and it's in French. <laughs> and French is usually good. Yeah, French shit is awesome. Um, but anyway, bring that up. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. All right, today's order is Chris, Barrett, and Jeremy. Okay. Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. All Ooh, right. Nice one. Not a, not going to be a surprise. I brought, led the sole uh, episode off with that. But yeah. uh, such a good movie. It's fantastic. It's so good. And uh, Brad, Brad Bird, I want to like. 
I want to interview that guy someday. That would be awesome. Because he's got, I, I bet that, like, you know, all those years of working The Simpsons and Pixar and yeah. everything, I want to know the stories, man. I bet he's got some good dirt on Conan. Yeah, I bet he does. <laughs> I bet he does. But uh, this movie is so just it is one of the best action movies we've seen in the last 20 years agreed yeah and um and so like it's what i'm what in this decade i compare almost all action movies to so yeah you know jeremy renner is playing the secondary or tertiary character in an action movie a lot mm-hmm. these days. yeah but he's really good in this in yeah. fact it almost makes it appear like he was going to take the mantle from ethan hunt and like continue his own thing like born legacy or something like that well i think that was the plan once upon a time Mm. but this one hit so hard with audiences that they're like uh let's just pay tom cruise whatever he wants to yeah well and he's still doing those stunts so it's not like he's geriatric or anything he loves doing that yeah my pick is the descendants oh yeah great Uh, one man i this is uh it's strange that this is my favorite movie of the year but it's only like my third favorite alexander payne movie yeah well that's how (laughs) That's how that's how, that's how good he is. is. It's amazing, and it's also how average 2011 is overall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not I've, one of the things I struggled with prepping for today was nothing jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Nothing jumped out at like, oh, this is a clear like last time we had Social Network and Inception that we knew we we're going to be duking it out. Nothing like that this time. Yeah. But we are only going to go one round <laughs> because I also picked the Descendants. Okay. Oh! And I, my second pick would have been Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Yep. So there's a spiritual alignment there. Conti- continuing, nice. continuing, I think, a losing streak that's going back 10 years now. <laughs> I don't think I've had any of my movies get But it's picked. only 10 weeks. It's yeah. not 10 it's years. It's 10 years. It's 10 years. <laughs> it's like dog human years. Right, right. I can't, I can't argue against The Descendants. That's a great movie, and I love Alexander Payne. Um, so hey, you could, I, I could reasonably tell everybody, uh, listening to this to go and watch his entire library. Yeah. And really the worst one was the last one was Nebraska, which is actually still pretty good. Oh yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, his whole thing, start with citizen Ruth, go through election, go through about Schmidt and all mm-hmm. that. And you won't be disappointed with yeah, it. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, today we're going to be talking about basically Christmas. Do all I need. So this is Christmas. Yeah. Um, in the first part of this, we're going to recast a Christmas classic. Ooh. Um, now, uh, in all honesty, I don't think I want to actually have these movies be made, yeah. per se, <laughs> because they're already classics. Yeah. There's no need to remake them. Um, but uh, if they were to be, be be remade, what would be our sort of fantasy casts mm-hmm. for these things? Um, so, uh, Jeremy, I'll let you take it away. I love this shit. Yeah. I love fic- like fantasy fictional casting. <laughs> I was reading this off to my wife and she was like, you are so good at that. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's easy when I can literally pick anyone and yeah. I don't have to worry about budgets or schedules or like yeah. the real life casting director's job. is a lot harder. Exactly. Yeah. I'm also stocking this thing with A-listers, <laughs> which is yeah. nearly impossible well, to do. Well, that's the thing. Uh, when, when it came down to doing mine, I was like sitting there going, I could never afford this fucking right. <laughs> Exactly. The cast alone is going to be 300 million. It's like, but this is my fantasy cast, so I can do what I want. Um, So I'm starting with It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Which is a great movie, one that I try to watch annually and really like it. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Stewart, probably his most famous performance. Um, And in the Jimmy Stewart role, 
I'm going with George Clooney. Yeah, uh, perfect. Good. Because even though Jimmy Stewart was a, an amazing actor, what carried him in this movie and many others was his charm. Mm-hmm. He's able to charm his future wife. He's able to charm the bank customers into not <laughs> pulling all their money out. Mm-hmm. And I think George Clooney is one of the most charming guys we've got working today. Uh, you've got to have uh, a, an equally good charming actress to play the wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went with Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. nice. Who seems to be doing more Capital One commercials now than like <laughs> actual acting, which more power to her. Yeah. But, um, she's got kids, got bills to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she has shown flashes of being a fantastic actress. Yeah. She also can look the girl next door hot or librarian frumpy, depending on how you do her hair and dress her up. <laughs> well, and, and she would be perfect. Uh, I mean, especially after Juno and considering sort of like, I guess, what we know of her personal life. Yeah. She seems like to be a perfect person to be the mom of like six kids yeah or whatever. no i agree i agree completely mm-hmm. uh for clarence the angel i'm so proud of this but it's albert brooks yes oh, that's so beautiful um i think he would kill that role yeah. and i wanted i toyed for a second with putting albert brooks in the role of mr potter the the villain of yeah, the yeah. film mm-hmm. but he's better in this oh, role he's perfect he'd be a perfect clarence we're gonna put bill murray in mr potter's role oh and we're gonna <laughs> ask him not to be funny at all wow and we're gonna ask him to basically be evil old mr potter <laughs> and then you have a you have a bill murray uh george clooney sort of reunion there from fantastic mr fuck oh yeah yeah i hadn't <laughs> thought about and, that yeah. from monuments man too. yeah yeah uh, and I have a few others, but those are the, those are the main characters that you want to hear about. And I didn't, I don't need to recast all the speaking lines <laughs> in the film. Uh, I think I did put his little brother would be played by Casey Affleck. Yeah, oh, nice. Yes. Who's nice. You know, a war hero in the movie. George is the one that stays home and runs the family business. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on to one of you chaps with your Christmas recastings. Nice. All right. So I'm not, uh, recreating a classic in the sense of the most recent version is a classic and it's the grinch mm. i think this could be obviously be done much better than the ron howard jim carrey collaboration mm-hmm. and so i was thinking it like putting it more in a realistic setting and have it directed by david fincher oh. and have daniel day lewis play the grinch holy shit whoa but the issue is he's not a grinch he's like this slightly disfigured man that lives like on the outskirts of town and everything he's like the penguin Pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he's Oswald he's an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> he's an outsider, and he's just kind of like uh, on the fringes of society. And he grows to hate this town because of their cheer. It's this nice little traditional village and everything. And uh, you know, it becomes like this whole antagonistic thing. I don't even know if we're going to throw in the dog in this, but he's going to be <laughs> there. I'm going to have uh, Elle Fanning as the hipster Cindy Lou Who. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is she emo? Oh yeah, totally. Emo hipster. Oh yeah, of course, right, man. Good. Uh, so she's going to be there. Alec Baldwin is going to provide the narration. Nice. nice. That's a good pick. Uh, so, and Trent Reznor's going to do the soundtrack. <laughs> and Aaron Sorkin's going to write the script. Oh, wow. My goodness. So we're going to keep, it, it sounds serious, but we're going to keep some comedic elements to it. Yeah. But it's going to be grounded in reality. And I think it would be fun. It's that would be... I mean, this is uh, half the team from the girl with the dragon tattoo you just brought back here. Or at least two of them. I guess Sorkin didn't write that one. Well, and yeah, I mean, I guess the social, social network. network. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was going to try and take the snow from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo <laughs> and make a joke about Barrett's idea. I couldn't get there. That would be very, very interesting. Um, what I like about your idea is that it's not necessarily a straight up remake, uh, like a almost shot for shot type of thing. You're talking about a reimagining. Yeah, here. yeah. Ah. And um, that's why I also liked you had the other one. 
I don't know how far we're going to go. Are we going to? We could probably just go one round for this. Yeah, yeah the, you the, had the other one with the Richard Linkletter rotoscope. Yeah, uh, for Christmas Carol. I even have a better idea about that because we could have Richard Linkletter do a Christmas Carol, who we've seen do touching stuff with the Beyond, or uh, the yeah Beyond movies and Boyhood and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll just throw that out real quick. Um, with Ethan Hawke as Bob Cratchit, Gary Oldman as Scrooge, and then the Ghost of Christmas, Present, Future, and Past. Uh, I'd be Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, and I think I put Sean Connery in there for whatever reason. <laughs> but here's the thing: is that only the scenes where he goes in the alternate universe those would be rotoscope. Oh, okay. And the rest of the movie would be normally shot. Oh, that's pretty okay. cool. I think yeah. that'd be interesting. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. I think League Letter would be up for the task too. Totally, man. All right. So, can, since I considered Die Hard a Christmas movie, I'm yep. going to recast Die Hard. Excellent. I'm going to make Tom Hardy John McClane. Oh, that's a good pick. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, that's probably the pick. only person that could play alternative John McClane. Now, John McClane is obviously a New York cop, so we're going to have to have Hardy actually be New York in this and not like, you know, his foppish British self here. No. Oh, he can he can do accents. Oh, though, yeah, obviously. he can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I feel like out of all the people that could really get the physicality of of, of John McClane, it would be Hardy. That's a very, very good pick. It's interesting mm-hmm. looking back at Die Hard. This is what makes you feel old. Uh, John, Bruce Willis was 32 yeah. when he did Die Hard. Wow. Um, and, and you look at a lot of these actors, they were like, you know, 30s and like you know barely 40 maybe or whatever and and then and then i was like looking for like similar uh age actors for a lot of things but i was finding older people constantly yeah. and like tom hardy's 39 so uh-huh. like wow. he's older than McC- he's older than bruce willis was but christoph Waltz as hans oh Gruber. yeah yes. well you say that go wrong? It's it's perfect but yeah that, and, that's perfect and 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 look i i love uh alan rickman obviously he's not german no he's not even though he's he's great in it but we get somebody who's really german in this for once you get christopher vaults doing basically what he does (laughs) um and then i i did go like some some actors that you probably may have never heard of before in some of these roles because you can't have like I was like, I actually struggled with that. Like, do I just put like everybody who's famous in this, like, whatever? <laughs> but uh, Stana Katic, I think is how her name is pronounced. Stana Katic. She's on Castle. That was her thing. Oh, she was the female she lead. She was the lead in, okay. in Castle. She would play Holly Gennaro. Okay, I like that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, you know, if you're sort of casting a pretty older woman or whatever and, and bonnie bedelia i think was like 40 when she did that role donna Kadich, i think is her name uh is is now in her late 30s so it would be perfect uh she would tell for as al powell oh nice. that's a good one <laughs> that would be a break for him too to, yeah to be more of a comic side character yeah, yeah that's yeah. great um I have, and, and there's another obvious one, I guess. J.K. Simmons is Deputy Police Chief Dwayne T. Oh, <laughs> he'd be great. He'd be yeah. great. Um, I mean, it's perfect. So now we're getting into some minor character, like they're not minor characters, but they're like they're not the above the the line characters. But you're gonna put some pretty heavy hitting actors in here. Michael Fassbender as Carl. Nice, <laughs> nice. He says like one line the whole movie. <laughs> now a lot of these, I would probably, I would probably like ramp up their characters somewhat. Uh-huh. Now that you have, 
you know, better actors or whatever in them. Uh, and Alexander Radanov did a really good job. I'm not saying he's bad, but now you got Michael Fassbender in there. And the, really the reason why I wanted to cast him. And first I thought maybe Hans Gruber for this, for this role, Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to see Michael Fassbender and Tom Hardy fight. Oh my God. I, I thought you were awesome. going to say, I really want to see Michael Fassbender in a long blonde wig. <laughs> mm. Yes, that too. Just picturing that right now. <laughs> um, that would be an awesome fight to see. Yeah. But, uh, and then I have Daniel Brule as Eddie, the guy who's at the, um, the, the front entrance uh-huh, or whatever. Uh-huh. The one of the few Americans that are actually r- running there, but this would be a German guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Daniel Brule would be that guy. Michael Stuhlbarg is Richard Thornburg, the uh, the reporter. Yeah. Oh nice. yeah. Um, then I have Donald Glover as Theo. <laughs> nice. And we would ramp that character up too. Is he the? Is Theo the one that the limo driver? Or is no, he no, that's, that's he's, Argyle. He's, yeah, Argyle. Oh, that's Argyle. Limo. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I've got I've got Lakeith Stanfield as Argyle. Lakeith Stanfield played Snoop in Straight Outta Compton. Oh, and yeah. he's also in Atlanta, and he's great in Atlanta. Ah. Uh, so you would have sort of a reunion of Atlanta actors in that. Nice. Um, in that, and then I have, uh, and this is a really big guy for a small role. Bradley Cooper is Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> he could kill that. He role. would kill it though. Hans uh, or Bobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would kill it. So, so that's that's the like get your fantasy diehard. Uh, you know, for me uh, to you know if they were to remake it. I think that would be awesome. And you'd have to change some things, I think, if you had all these people in it. Because, look, a lot of these movies, they don't have famous actors playing these roles, but they're memorable. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, really, honestly, you would probably try to find whoever's, like, good but not well-known mm-hmm. in a lot of these things. Sure. But if you're just fantasy casting it, yeah, that's what I would go. You're Straight. looking for the next Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I was sitting there like <laughs> contemplating. I was like, who's Reginald Bell Johnson these days? <laughs> who's that guy? I can't put, I was like, I usually thought Tyler Perry or somebody like that. And I was like, no, uh-huh. I can't put Tyler Perry in a diehard movie. I like Tyler Perry, but I'm not going to put him in a diehard movie. All right. You can put him in a Star Trek movie. You can put him in a Star Trek. Do you Trek. have another one? You said that you could do this all day. I, n- no, I only prepped one. Oh, okay. I could do this all day in the sense that next week, if you wanted to do a section on <laughs> fantasy casting, I would do it because uh, I fucking okay. love that shit. It's like <laughs> the Kevin Bacon stuff. game to me. I just yeah. love it. Nice. Um, so the next thing that we're going to talk about, well, who are the best Santas and Scrooges in these uh, Christmas movies that have come out? I'm going to I'm be I'm straight up admit, guys, I usually don't like Christmas movies at oh. all. Um. You, they're usually just I, there's something about the season that i don't like anyway and it's not because i don't have holiday spirit or anything like that i, I enjoy giving presents i enjoy seeing the looks on people's faces when they see it when all that other type of stuff but i do not get it when i go to a grocery store and i'm hearing nothing but christmas carols i'm like yep that's the same old shit that i heard last <laughs> year great but uh, but when these holiday movies come out it's like yeah i mean i don't remember my, most of them that i ever watched. i've seen a lot of them but so i'll go ahead and get my humbug shit out of the way <laughs> and you guys can be more excited about this all right um so for Scrooge, George C. Scott is always who I think of when I think of Scrooge. It was a 1984 TV movie that he was in, but anytime Scrooge comes up, I think George C. Scott. But the very first Christmas Carol I ever watched was Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, oh. and I was shocked to find out I saw this in the theaters. Mickey's Christmas Carol. Uh, it was a short 
before the rescuers. Hmm. Oh. And I had no idea. Wow. I, when I was looking this up, I was like, oh. But I don't remember the rescuers. I remember Mickey's Christmas Carol. Uh-huh. I'm wondering, like, if my mom pulled me out of the movie after we watched Mickey's. But the rescuers gets pretty raunchy early. Does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> you see a shot from behind, and yeah. you can actually see it dangling. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, well, yeah, Scrooge McDuck man was hung. He was hung. And addicted to sex. Yeah, and addicted to sex. But Scrooge McDuck is who I think of a lot of times in, in the Scrooge adaptations. I love and that. And Alan Young was the voice of Scrooge McDuck. He died earlier this year. Of course, oh. everybody died earlier this yeah. year. Uh, but um, but uh, Scrooge McDuck is, I, I, I remember that portrayal probably more than any Christmas Carol that I've seen. Oh, yeah. And I've seen several after that. I saw the Jim Carrey one and... You know, and all that, but um, those are my Scrooges uh, to me. And then the Santa, man, I just, there's nobody I can think of in, in that. <laughs> uh, that's how bad, that's how bad I am about these. The first Santa Claus movie I saw was called Santa Claus the Movie. Oh, <laughs> my wife loves yeah. that movie. 1985. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, Wasn't it's a that ter- rated PG or PG-13? Yeah, or it was, like I think. And it was one of because Dudley Moore was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and like uh, the the Santa Claus in that movie is David Huddleston, who also died this year, and uh, was uh, he's the Big Lebowski in the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, but he played a Santa Claus in that, and that's really the only rem- Santa Claus. <laughs> like every other Santa Claus that I remember is not playing Santa; they're playing a mall Santa. So it's right. like Christmas stories. Home Alone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Home Alone. <laughs> Bad, Bad Santa. Santa. Yeah. Um. So Kramer. all those. Yeah, Kramer. <laughs> so, so, so who? I mean, and then Tim Allen in the Santa Claus. I mean, the, uh, who has really distinguished themselves as as an amazing Santa? It's they're never really like the main character. A lot of times they're just like whatever. So there's my humbug shit for everybody. That was good humbug shit. Uh, I I'm not. I'm not on top of this question. That's all right, because I think Barrett and I are. Yes. Do you want to take it? Yeah, so I don't know how many people have seen this. Uh, I watched it recently, The Arthur Christmas. Okay. It's an animated uh, movie that came out, I think, actually in 2011. Yeah, it did. Um, and the, the whole premise of this is that this character, Arthur, is like uh, the youngest child in this line, this lineage of Santas. And it's really kind of charming. Like, you know, he has to, of course, save the day after the other previous. Is this Santas the same Arthur as the rodent with the glasses? No, Children's no. book Arthur? This is, yeah, it's another Arthur. Okay. It's not the Dudley no, Moore. I'm going to stop wrinkling my face now because for a second there, I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, James McAvoy was the voice of Arthur. James McAvoy. So he becomes kind of like the stand-in Santa. Mm-hmm. But the old Santa is like his grandfather is Jim Broadbent. Then oh, wow. the current Santa who's about to retire is Bill Nye. Oh, wow. And then the guy who's about to take over for him is Hugh Laurie. Yeah. And Jeez. then you've got James McAvoy in the uh, in the Arthur role. And it was it was really cool. It was cool to see all the Santas come together. Spoiler, they all come together at the end. Um, and it was an interesting story. It was a fun animated movie. And, uh, you know, tickled the, the Christmas things for me. Mm-hmm. You have Christmas things? Sure. <laughs> Can I tickle them? <laughs> My Christmas extremities. <laughs> it tickled my Christmas things. <laughs> but it was a cool it was a cool play on like Santa and how the lineage gets passed down and all that stuff. And uh yeah, that'd be that would be my first pick. 
What do you, what's your pick? My Santa? Santa pick is old school, mm-hmm. and it's uh, Edmund Gwynn from uh, the original Miracle on 34th Street. Ooh. Which who, is another movie. I've never seen that. Oh, oh. so good. Don't watch the colorized bullshit. Mm-hmm. The Richard Attenborough. No, that no, was that was that, the remake. They, that was a remake. They there is you can buy a original oh, you black mean and white the, or you colorized. Mean, oh, okay. You meant you mean the colorized version of the original. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, everybody's great in this movie in their roles, but uh, he's playing a, a fill-in Santa at the last minute because the Macy's Parade Santa got drunk. <laughs> that gets him a gig at Macy's being the mall Santa, but he believes he's Santa, and slowly over the course of this movie. All the rest of the characters, and even you, will also believe he's Santa, <laughs> uh, because he's just got so much charm and magic. I'm specifically going to point to the scene where he teaches the little girl, he borrows some bubble gum, and she teaches him how to blow bubbles, and he teaches her how to make animal sounds so that she can play with the other kids at school, teaches mm-hmm. her how to act like a monkey. Uh, there's just a warmth about this character, and then, of course, the point being that at the end, he realized he really is Santa Claus and has all this magic. Uh, so that was the first place my brain went when I saw this question. Yeah. We just briefly mentioned Tim Allen in the Santa Claus, yep. but I liked that movie. I mean, it came out when I was a kid, uh, but I really dug that one. Of course, they made like a couple more sequels after that. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my wife's favorites, so I see it every year, and I think it's got plenty of charm. Yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. reason the sequels don't work is that what makes the first one work is a regular guy mm-hmm. in the Santa role. Yeah. And once he gets acclimated and starts acting more like Santa, it's not funny anymore. Um, but yeah, that always makes me laugh whenever he comes out of that first chimney and his son's like, well, what did it feel like? And he's like, it felt like America's most wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember st- enjoying the Santa Claus. I yeah. thought Tim Allen was really good in it. And I write, and for whatever reason, it was funny for me when he starts swelling up during that business meeting yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And he and they're like, "What? What happened?" He's like, "Bee sting." <laughs> you know? like, it's just, and it's just something about that is always funny. I remember also working at movie theater when that came out, and man, it was packed every yep. show. Well, that was the height of Tim Allen's popularity oh, for yeah. television. Mm-hmm. Who's your Scrooge? Bill Murray. Oh, from Scrooge. Yeah, Duh. man. What a cool reimagining of that story mm-hmm. it is way loud man i watched this again the other day <laughs> and it's richard fucking donner of course yeah. uh and it is very shouty huh. and it's very loud and it's way um way more ostentatious than you would think a regular now that, Sco- now that you brought this up about richard donner i really do wonder if there's an inst- been an instruction from either him or producers that work with him, we got to make this really loud. Like you, they're like Kevin Spacey and Swimming with Sharks. It's like it's like I can't hear the explosions. I need them loud. I need them. You know, I need my balls exploding or whatever the fuck he says. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, I'm beginning to wonder if that's an actual thing now. Anyway. Every every little scene, even the one at the end with Bobcat Goldthwait showing up, just randomly firing a shotgun at him, uh, is very loud. But it's so manic and it's so eighties and it's so fun. He. It's 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 crazy that he's a lovable character as terrible as he is in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my favorite one. I he's think. a great big piece of shit in that movie. He is until the end. But yeah. Of course, that's the point of Scrooge, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was little, the the Scrooge my mom showed me first, and then every year um, was the one played by Albert Finney in the yeah. 1970s musical version yeah. called Scrooge. Um, my brother and I will still sing these songs when we get together around Christmas. Um, it's a long movie, and at the end, he literally goes to hell. And when I was seven, that was some that was some serious shit for me. <laughs> but what, one of the reasons I'm picking Albert Finney is there's a there's a madness to his performance as he's 
struggles to comprehend what's going on and then eventually face his own demons and his own evilness there's a he starts to lose it a couple of times whereas mm. scrooge is usually more played as cranky 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 heart of gold yep like this guy has dynamics as he goes through watching his old stories and all those memories that are great at first and then bittersweet and anyway i try to watch this once every year and if only for the song father christmas which is an awesome song. Ah. <laughs> Father Christmas. Father Christmas. He's the meanest man in the whole wide world. In the whole wide world. You can hear. Um, that's the song that <laughs> British children on the street sing about Scrooge. They call him Father Christmas mockingly. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Anyway, uh, that's my pick. Michael Caine in the uh, Muppets Christmas Carol yeah, is my runner-up. I, I thought you were going to go that, so that's why I didn't say him. But yeah. he's fantastic. Oh, he's great. I mean, it, it's Michael Caine at his Michael Caineiest, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, being able to play a grumpy old bastard. Uh, it's it, that may have been my first introduction. I watched Mickey's Christmas Carol many times. As a matter of fact, I always had this strange pairing because the McRib. Follow me on this. The McRib would come out around Christmas time. Yeah. And I would always sit there at the TV, eat my McRib, and watch Mickey's <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> oh, okay, there the you McRib go. The McRib is back right now, by the way, as yeah, we head into Christmas do it season. On the way home tonight. There you go. There you go. I think Barrett's evening is planned. That's right. All right, so are we now doing questions? Let's do it, baby. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. The first one is almost exclusively for you guys. Um, it comes to us uh, from the Reddit uh, question thread. Actually, this one came in from SoundCloud. Now that cinemas are almost entirely using digital projectors, what is the role of the projectionist? Does the job even still exist? And how do cinemas get digital films now? Do they come on hard drives? Are they downloaded from the studio server? Do cinemas get to keep the movies afterwards? I think this is an interesting question that a it lot is, of people It is, but have. it's going to be all, Chris, because I quit the theater when they were still using film. Oh, uh, And yeah. it was a couple years after that that they started the transition. So I can't speak to it, but I know he knows all about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yes, they come in on hard drives and these little things called Pelican cases or whatever. Um, and these hard drives, you can hook up to a raid system basically where you, uh, there's like eight slots that you can put these hard drives into and, uh, you go to your main computer and, uh, and you start downloading them to your big raid system basically. So you have a master library of all these movies that are playing and from that computer, you can send them to any projector that you want to. Um, so when we first got them at Hollywood, it was you had to load it directly onto the projector. We wow. didn't have that RAID system. So like uh, because they have to they have to go through a whole bunch of encryptions and keys and all this other type of stuff. Um, so you would hook them directly up to the projector and download it. And of course, each one of these projectors has their own like size limitations and everything. Can't just have every single movie ever made mm -hmm. on them or whatever. Um, but um, so yeah, you would download it to this master hard drive basically. And then what you would do is you would go in, you would have the list of trailers that need to go on the movie and everything. That's the, uh, you know, it, it used to be five. Now it's eight or yeah. nine. Um, and they tell you exactly what version of the trailer that you need to put on there. Cause now trailers are, are very much geared towards the audience mm. that they are showing them to. So they're approved for this feature a lot of times. Um, 
and you basically have to build a playlist. You just go through there and you're like, and your trailers are downloaded the same way. You get a drive that's got full, just nothing but trailers on it. Mm. Uh, and you download all those. It things. has multiple trailers on the same drive. Yeah. It's mm. about, I don't know, hundred or so. Mm. And usually they're all, usually they're all the same, but they keep coming out with new versions of trailers all the time. Uh, sometimes you look at it and it's like, you know, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, number five trailer. You <laughs> or know. Suicide Squad, number yeah, 18. Su- yeah, Suicide Squad. <laughs> the whole hard drive is Suicide Squad. Um, but uh, you go in there and you create a trailer list and, and you put it in this thing and you make sure that you're uh, – they give you a time code to program into this playlist so the lights go up and down and all this other type of stuff, which had led to some interesting uh, things um, – uh, in the early, I don't know if this still happens to some theaters, but I remember, uh, the odd life of Timothy green. They gave us this, um, <laughs> deep cut. Yes. Extremely deep cut. Oh, that's a, that's a Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. And, uh, they, uh, they gave us the time code for the credits for the lights to come up, but it was wrong. The lights came up like 10 minutes before the movie was <laughs> up oh, wow. and we didn't know about it until like two days later or something finally somebody came out and complained about it or that's the way it is with theaters like you seem to get all, a whole bunch of complaints where it doesn't matter a lot of times like you know i'm not hearing the surround sound which is a bu- bullshit most of the time but then like you know for lights coming up during the middle of the movie didn't hear about it until saturday and um so i had to like figure that out whatever anyway so you put your cues on there for the lights go up and uh and then yeah you put your feature and all other stuff so uh normally the you want to try to get your biggest movie on as many projectors as possible just in case you need to interlock now which you can't Mm. it's not the same thing now Mm. you just run a projector that you want you can interlock whatever projectors Mm. you want now at this point um so you want to make sure you have all your biggest movies on those and whatever um but yeah there's not much of a role of the projectionist anymore has the number of staff needed for it gone down yeah i mean there's there everything starts automatically Mm. that's why you don't see very many late starts nowadays Mm. because what they do with the time like in our theater we had a scheduling thing that tied into that computer and what you would do is you just drag the playlist into this little cloud on the schedule or whatever Mm -hmm. And it would download all the trailers and the movie and everything. So, like, on a Wednesday night, I would just, like, crank, you know, 20 of those puppies overnight. And it would take forever. But, uh-huh. you know, you're not sitting there watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So, it was um, – so, there's not much. Everything's automated. It starts It starts when the time is supposed to start. You know, you don't, you don't go and press start anymore. Uh, if there's a problem with the movie – then hopefully somebody knows what they're doing. But I'm going to guess that that amount of people has has fallen down pretty pretty hard. Yeah. And I don't think theater chains really care that much. I yeah. mean, if they lose a, a show here and there, it's way, way less than what they used to lose with the 35-millimeter prints and yeah. everything like that. Because 35-millimeter became bad it became you know 16 year olds were threading up projectors and stuff so um i don't know if i answered everything there no uh the only thing is do you you send the hard drives back yeah you send them back you don't keep them there there's keys on each one of these they had they last a certain length of time explode 
They explode, <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, you know, they get it, and it's so ridiculous how they do it, too. You have to have a special encryption for every single projector. Now, they send these automatically. Mm. It's not like a big deal or anything. But this will this became a, a huge clusterfuck in 2012 when Hollywood became completely digital and they decided to do it the week of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two. Oh. Um, where was it? No, wait a minute. Was that 2012? I guess, it was 2000, I guess it was 2011. Then. Yeah. Yeah. 2011, when they did that, they, they decided to uh, replace all the 35 millimeters with digital during that week, your <laughs> biggest movie coming out. <laughs> and of course there's going to be problems. And, and a lot of the things, a lot of the keys that we were getting, they didn't know the projector to like the, the, whoever makes these keys, it's basically just like, okay, we know your projectors one, four and 10 are digital. So here's keys for that. Mm. But they didn't know about two, three, you know, five, all these other ones. Mm. So they didn't get keys for those. So a lot of times you had to call this company and say, yeah, we've got this projector now that's digital and we need the key for that and everything. Oh, okay. We'll just update the system. God, it took forever during that week. And it was the, that was the most painful. That will be a movie theater story, by the way. Because I think I have like two theater stories out of that week that, that that became digital and everything, but no, you get you you even if you were to keep them, you wouldn't be able to play them because mm. they have a range that goes to a certain amount of time, and once that Thursday midnight or whatever it goes it goes uh, goes out, you can't play it anymore anyway. So you can keep it on the hard drive if you want to, but you're not gonna be able to play it. Interesting. All right. So cool. Dropping some knowledge. Yeah, man. Sweet. All right, our next question. If you got to pick your family for movie characters, who would they be? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like my family, so I don't exactly want to replace them. <laughs> mm. Um and since I'm talking, I'll just go first. Um I picked Jennifer Aniston's character from Iron Giant to be my mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I think mom. she's a good mom. She doing a good job taking care of this kid uh and it's jennifer aniston you know it's good genes i'm gonna be a hog <laughs> um and then the dad i picked stanley tucci and easy a yeah great one um my sister would be tina fey from this is where i leave you oh um i don't yeah. have a sister but if i did i would want our relationship to be like uh jason bateman's and hers in that movie. yeah <laughs> and then my brother is tommy from tommy boy oh because he'd always be fun and I'd always look good in comparison <laughs> because he's a fuck up. <clears throat> That's a good family. There you go. Absolutely. That's going to be an interesting Thanksgiving dinner with that family around. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to go with, for my dad, J.K. Simmons and I love you, man. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, he's just, he's just funny. And yeah. That. Like, yeah, yeah. and he accepts everybody. Yeah. So like, uh, so yeah, like I'm, I'm down with having, having that guy as a dad. He's hilarious. Um, Charlene Woodard, who played Elijah's mom in Unbreakable. Oh, good call. Oh, yeah. Um, perfect mom. I think I think the scene that captures her the best is putting the comics out on the bench and making Elijah go out to get them, and uh, basically teaching teaching her son self worth and everything. I think that's uh, amazing. They see this one has a surprise ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. I have, as a brother, I have Nicolas Cage's goofy twin and adaptation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's going to be more successful than you That's as right. a screenwriter. That'll be fine. I'll, I'll write his coattails. That's fine. And uh, also, Carrie Coon in Gone Girl, who played Ben Affleck's sister. Oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah she's perfect. great. Perfect. Yeah, she had she's his the, back. 
so she's the bartender. Can you right? imagine? Yeah, she's the bartender. And can you imagine having that family? Holy shit! <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah, no, the absolute good best. And I love my family too, but. I would trade them in a heart. No, <laughs> I think we all love our families, but we can all agree that they could, you know, be they replaced. Could use improvement. They could easily be yeah. replaced. Uh, so it's interesting you mentioned J.K. Simmons and I Love You Man because I was going to pick him for his character in Juno. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. He's basically, I mean, yeah, it's almost the same, really. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's great. But I ended up going with George Siegel uh, from oh, The Cable Guy. Yeah. Uh, it's my movie because it always kills me every time where he visits Stephen in jail and he's like, "What's wrong with you? Are you taking the pot?" Taking the pot. <laughs> <laughs> and he seems like you know you can sit down and play porno password with yeah. him and stuff like that. So he seems like a fun guy. Uh, my mom would be Helen Parr, Elastigirl from The Incredibles. Nice. Yeah, you can't get more loyal than that. Yeah. And speaking of loyal, my brother would be Elwood Blues. Yeah. Because <laughs> that man is loyal. Like he'll pick you up at jail. Like he'll uh, he'll take you on this cross country trip. He he knows how to get out of tight spots. Mm-hmm. He's funny. He's a great musician. Can pick up some chicks. You know, <laughs> he's a good brother to have around. That's a and, good call. Uh, my sister would be Laura Linney from Love Actually. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, she is like the most compassionate woman. She, her brother has mental illness and he breaks down occasionally and has to call him and she's available at a moment's notice so much. So she like cuts off a tryst of a guy that she's wanted forever. Um, just because he calls in the middle of it and says like, you know, I got to go. Wow. So she's a great sister and I got a Bafo family. You do. Yeah. Your family is uh, the textbook definition of Bafo. Yeah. <laughs> I believe. Okay. I believe. Do we got another one? Let's do another one. Let's do it. Which movie doctor would you want as your doctor, and which one wouldn't you want? Or we can just do the first one. And um, I have. I'll take this one because I've got a story about it. I actually met the real Patch Adams. Oh Ooh. yeah, you told me this story. He came over and did a grand rounds at Vanderbilt, uh, where I was working at the time, and came in full clown suit uh, with half of his hair dyed blue and the other half dyed pink. I uh, worked at a commune, didn't ever fill out any insurance forms, never asked somebody to pay for his care, and was just the most engaging person, one of the pe- most engaging people I've ever met. Uh, terrific doctor from from all um, the stories about him, and would definitely make you laugh and hopefully you know heal you up, too. And the movie was bullshit, right? No, the movie... Uh, okay, so his take on the movie was like, I'm glad the story is out there. Uh, there was a lot of creative liberties done with it. Uh, I don't think he signed off with final approval of it, mm-hmm. but it it approximates his his life in that period, but it's not you know real mm-hmm. accurate. That is very interesting that you have met John Nash yeah. and Patch Adams. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder who else we're going to find out you've met as we move into the future. In the future. Yeah. In the year 2000. <laughs> Who's your movie doctor? Um, I went with Will Smith from Concussion, mm-hmm. uh, partly because I just saw it recently and it was fresh in my mind, and partly because... He so steadfastly just wants what's right, like for his patients and for the science and for his work. Uh, it's never once about ego with that guy. Yeah. And that's who I think you want in a life or death situation is somebody who really just wants to do the best job they can with the best knowledge and facts and science and not let ego get in the way. Mm-hmm. So that was my pick. Hmm. Good one. I was going to say, if I'm cheating, it's going to be Dr. House. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to want to have somebody who thinks about the problem in a in a 
you know, you and belittles his underlings. In That's the process. correct. <laughs> and and you know what? I like a doctor who who stays at an arm's length and is an asshole to me and everything. <laughs> Just figure out what's wrong with me. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm probably not the best patient for Doctor House because I would be willing to go indulge in his bullshit as much as possible. <laughs> Treat the problem, and then we'll get a diagnosis. That's right. If I'm not cheating, I'm going to go with James McAvoy in The Last King of Scotland. Nice. Because oh. I feel like doctors who go to like remote lands and do their job, and it's not about money and everything, probably are the best doctors. You just yeah. made me wish I'd picked Doc Graham from Field of Dreams. Oh, oh yeah. Archibald Moonlight yeah. Graham. Yeah. yeah. Oh, perfect opportunity missed. <laughs> Your pick is better than mine. Well, that's what the point of this is, is to try to best each other. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there's something very admirable about uh, doctors who decide I'm not going, I, and very unselfish, yeah, you yeah. know, about it. So, yeah, I'm going to go that Good way. Good call. What is the best coming of age film? Oh, mm. Stand By Me. Stand by me. I actually wrote in my responses, stand by me or this other one, question mark, because I couldn't think of any others that would contend. Ooh, interesting. Stand by me is excellent. I don't have anything better than that. Um, I picked two link letter movies here. Boyhood is great and Dazed and Confused. Yeah, oh, nice. those are both good. Um, Boyhood, I think, I love Stand by Me, but Boyhood has to be considered as the greatest coming of age story of all time because of the reality of it because of how engaged they are man yeah oh. i don't know if i stole yours there but uh, but uh, i think boyhood has sort of gotten some backlash over the past couple of years because i think some people are expecting you know world changing movie when they watch it now as opposed to when it was coming out you know back then or whatever mm. but um but boyhood is excellent I, I think it rises above the gimmick but i didn't find it like the best thing i've ever seen well yeah i wasn't i didn't love it but mm -hmm. but i thought it was more than just the gimmick of, oh yeah of shooting it for sure yeah yeah my pick would be actually super bad yeah and the reason being is that the relationship that these guys have uh between jonah hill and michael sarah changes totally from one end to the other and then back to the other end by the end of the movie because you know they're they're just buds the high school guys that a lot is unsaid and everything and then they have this almost romantic tryst at the yeah. end where, where they're you know laying in the bed like, i just wanted to go up and shout on the rooftops that i love you like why can't we do that mm -hmm. and then by the end of it when they're going their separate ways they're like well you know, I, I will see you later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, guess, I guess I will phone you. Have you have my information. You have my information. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good one. It, and it all takes place, you know, within one day, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a good thing. I love it. All right. Well, uh, that will be the end of this podcast. Keep going to SoundCloud. Yeah, we murdered, annihilated our record for comments on SoundCloud last week. It would be episode 48 um so yeah keep them coming man i love that stuff we are we continually get these great stories and emails that come in and obviously we read one uh mm -hmm. last time and and uh you know we can't read them all obviously but man there are some really touching stories out mm -hmm. there and uh and if you are finding some solace humor or whatever some sort of balm to your <laughs> Uh, <laughs> told you to put the bomb on. I didn't tell you to put the, do you even know what a bomb does? <laughs> we will be your bomb. That's right. Um, to to uh, your uh, to your day, uh, then we will accept that. We we enjoy that uh, a lot. But anyway, that will be it for this episode. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Have some fucking cheer, people. Yeah. For once. We're giving. For once, you asshole. We're giving you some cheer here, you assholes. Take it. Ate it. You like it. Mm. That's good cheer. That is good cheer. <clears throat> Whoa, that's good squishy. <laughs> Was Aaron at the Critics' Choice Awards? Yeah. That's crazy. Did you yeah. see him? No, I didn't see him on the broadcast, but he tweeted out a photo of his seat it looked like he was you know uh he was on tom hanks's lap <laughs> well it looked like there were maybe six or seven rows of famous people tables in front of him but it didn't look like a bad seat at all and he was tweeting all night about people he was talking to in between commercial breaks like andrew stanton and ryan reynolds and, oh, really? yeah he's not shy about it at all that's funny um and if anybody could probably pull that off and be cool to a celebrity <laughs> it's probably that guy so yeah, he said he hugged Andrew Stanton. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. And yet, still, the two most famous people he talked to in the last two weeks are you guys. No, Ryan Reynolds is definitely more, more no famous. No way. No way, man. No way. <laughs> I think we're good to go. Good to go? Okay to go. Okay to go. Okay to go. Okay to go. I hear it. She said she's okay to go. <laughs> And I don't know if we're going to keep that. <laughs> it was like Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder a little bit. <laughs> it was very much Big like... Big swinging dick. Oh, really? Yeah. He was, was this in, in LA? This is definitely not going no, in. There's the, no way we're keeping no this. Way, no way this is staying in. <laughs> Fucking white people. Yeah, exactly. You heard that new Sia song, The Greatest? You, we did the... Or we were about to do the music video sins on it. It's uh, It's got a Kendrick Lamar verse on it. Oh, and, yeah? and I was, and it's really good. And I was thinking, like Kendrick Lamar, like guests on really good stuff. Like you've got to really have like a good track to to get a Kendrick Lamar on there. Mm-hmm. And then the very next song was him guesting on a Maroon Five song. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Fuck you, Kendrick! Come on, Kendrick!" 